0: Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, episode 232, Strawberry Fields. My, t- my name sorry, is Matthew Turner, alongside Ashley Soden. How you doing,
1: man? Well, you've just made my day with that little uh, vocal slip up there, so yeah. I'm doing great now. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. We may be interrupted in the show by
0: some of our other guys coming on a little bit later, so watch out for them if they do. We are doing Bears at Lions Preview right now. we got some news to start with, and there's a little bit, actually, to go through for the first time in a little while, but we are going to go through our preamble, as we always do, starting with our Discord channel. You really need to come... And join us there as the lines get closer and closer to the postseason. I feel it becoming a bigger and better place. So come and join us there. for Some great Lions chat all week long. College Football Podcast. It is going to air on YouTube after this episode. So if you are live in YouTube and Twitch right now, I'm going to premiere it in YouTube as soon as we finish. So if you saw the first half an hour and then obviously they had their problems and you want to see the rest... You'll be able to do that. Um, For those of you who like watching it on the video, but you have listened to this on the audio, it will be up by the time you listen to this. So that will be there soon. Obviously, they previewed week 12 and they looked back at week 11. Please don't like the show, subscribe to the podcast, all of that good stuff. You know what to do. And add Lines Nation yard on their Facebook group too. That would really help us out. And we're a Twitch affiliate, YouTube monetized, and we have a tip jar in the YouTube description down below. If you're enjoying what you're listening to and you want to show some love that way, we'd much appreciate that. There's also a feedback form, too, if you've got any thoughts on how to improve the show. Then you can go into a Google form in that description and let us know. Final bit is that our merch store has opened. I'll put a link in the chat for that, too. It's a great way to support the show without just tipping us or... or doing a super chat or something like that. At least you get something tangible back for your support. We make a small profit off of it, but the stuff is, itself is actually really quite nice. We actually got all of the members of the team some stuff out, except for Tom. who still needs to make it on order, but it's some good stuff. So if, if Tom can get his, his Arsenal and gear, then we'll all, <laughs> we'll all have some, which is great. Right, let's get on with the news. And there's a lot of roster stuff to get through, Ash, so we'll do this right now. Halepulavati Vaitai has gone to injured reserve and Dan Campbell says it's unlikely that he plays again this season. Obviously, with the the restructure, he took a pay cut to stay rather than being cut at the start of the season. He was a starter at the start of the season through injury, kind of lost his job to Graham and then Graham has just outplayed him, really. So he was only a backup. But it's a sad way, really, to see his Lions career and potentially career finish.
1: Exactly, yeah. It was a slight... Misuse the words there to say back up because that's the problem he had. His back was just shot again. That's what ruled him out all of last season. Unfortunately, in his recovery from the knee injury that took him out initially, he re-aggravated really it and it was just too much for him. I remember we I kept saying when he came back and we watched him against, the I think it was the Ravens, where he just couldn't go side to side because of his back. He could go back and forth against those pass drops. But as soon as someone put a pass rush move on him and tried to get past him, he just couldn't bend with them, and they would got past him. So yeah, it's just unfortunately one of those where because of that he couldn't play. Obviously, start and he was emerging backup, but he also couldn't even play special teams. It's just better for his long term health to go to IR, accept the money, run out his contracts, and yeah, hopefully get fit and maybe take a backup role somewhere or a low level starting role where he's close. They've got a rookie in, and he's, uh, as soon as that rookie's perhaps come through, then he seeds the role. Kind of like what he's done with Pene, just be that sort of veteran mentorship kind of thing to help a rookie come in. That's probably the best he can hope for. But obviously, for his long-term health, and I hate saying it, I do kind of hope he retires because yeah, walk away see. while you still while you still can kind of think you've made a lot of money. You've lost Detroit Lions fans. For the most part, there's obviously going to be some that were always hating for the big contract he signed with us initially. But for the most part, us Lions fans will... Plaud him out the out the door and say thank you for your service. We hope you all the best in the future because for the two years of two and a bit years he's been with us with the Dan Campbell regime, he's been a really damn good right uh, right guard and he's obviously helped Saul acclimatize from being one of the youngest draft picks on the offensive line in NFL history. I believe like he's a year younger than me and that's saying something to arguably the best right tackle in this league. So. Much thanks to Hal for the role he's played in that. Just
0: had a load of alerts come through, but they're all old, which is really weird. Mm. So I'm just going to turn them off. Um, anyway, yeah, I-, I echo your sentiments. I think it would be best for him to retire gracefully with his health. He's not been worth the money. There's no doubt about the fact yeah. that he was overpriced when he came here. The decision at the time looked expensive for what was a career swing tackle to that yeah. point. And he showed that he could play both tackles pretty well. But he was never a guard. He was always a tackle at Philadelphia. And we we, we seemed to pay him a lot for what was a career backup at that time. And then oh, well, he started in a Super Bowl win. How about a 17-game season? Um, okay. And then he came in and his attitude was brilliant. And he got his head down, went to work, was a good player for us when he was on the field. And his health is his health. I don't think you can criminalise him for Bob Quinn's sins. It's it's not on him. And he, whenever he gets in front of the camera, you can clearly see how committed he is, how much he wanted to be here and make a success of himself and of his teammates. He cared. He really cared. And I, I appreciate that sentiment. So wish him all the best. But there we go. All right, we'll move on, and another couple of people not on the roster anymore, at least on the practice squad, with uh, running back Divine Azigbo and cornerback Anthony Everett released. In their place, we have signed to the practice squad, Michael Schofield, the offensive lineman, cornerback Kendall Vildor, and I guess somewhat controversially, by the way a lot of people reacted, Bruce Irvin to the practice squad. Dan Campbell has confirmed that Irvin... Won't be elevated this week because he's in shape, but not in football shape, Ash. Bit of a surprising one. He hasn't played since last year when he was with the Seahawks, got three and a half sacks from memory. He is sack totals I don't think have ever gone over 10 in a year, so he's not been ever a guy that's kind of broken out in that way, but part of the Legion of Boom at Seattle. Fearsome defense, obviously. He played very well. He's been a career, very good player, but... He's 36, I think. And
1: it's an interesting one. It's only the practice squad, right? For now. But yeah, you make a valid point with the whole 36 thing. He instantly becomes the oldest player on our roster slash practice squad. Boy for years. Well, actually, no, he was until McQuaid was elevated. Because I think McQuaid is 38. So he's the second oldest player, I do believe. But it just shows. I love... The Schofield and sign signings, as much as Zigbo served us well, did what he needs to do. If we need four yards, he got us four yards. If we need the six yards, he got us four yards. Great special teamer, decent back, but we've got Jamar healthy now in the practice squad. Monty's back healthy, kind of services is no longer needed. So we've just released him to give him a chance to maybe hit somewhere else where he can have a better opportunity. And then Averett was just a practice squad signing, nothing to it. So now we've signed uh, Irvin, played in a load of play, uh, playoffs, veteran guy, hopefully can have a sort of, if you remember when we signed Dwight Freeney in 2016, for the last couple of games when he was cut by the Colts, can have that kind of impact where comes in, maybe shows Pascal, Kamish, Charles Harris, some of these just pass rushing moves. Because remember the last game Freeney, uh, Freeney played for us, Ziggy Answer pulled off Frini's signature spin move and ran right over to Freeni on the sidelines and hugged him afterwards. If you can have that kind of impact for like a Pascal, who obviously I want to have a really big impact because I was kind of high from coming out, I'd be very happy for it. But then with Schofield and Vildor, the veteran guys who've played a lot of games, obviously both played for the Bears last year. So maybe that kind of shows a lot about their talent right now. But they're guys who've started a lot of games in this league. And if we need to call on in a pinch, Come the playoffs or week eight or something because of injuries, they're reliable options. That's what we're kind of going for now. The regime's sort of is starting to warm up to the fact that yeah, okay, we need veteran guys we can count on because we might be going a bit further than people may have expected us to at the start of this season. Like some people might have seen as a winning the NFC North but making the wild card and then going one and done. I can see us at least making the divisional round right now, and perhaps these moves. Getting shifting off sort of younger players for better, more consistent, reliable veteran options kind of shows that maybe the regime's buying that as well.
0: Just to qualify, uh, Jamie McQuaid signed to the assigned to the fifty-three man squad from the practice squad. We didn't have a long snapper on the fifty-three. Clear that one needed to go up eventually. Still had an elevation to spare, but they just decided to do it and get him paid, which is fair enough. Uh, McQuaid is thirty-five. Is so like, oh, Bruce Irving is, is still yeah. the oldest there as oh. and is coming in. And the final bit of the news is that Dan Campbell reveals that James Houston may not return to the Lions until late December with his fractured ankle on a 97.1 appearance, although he was videoed working out after practice today. And, I mean, the... The the ankle seemed okay. I mean, he was putting good amounts of pressure on it. Maybe he's not in football shape yet, but he's he's on the way.
1: Yeah, which is hopefully a good thing because we kind of need his services right now. Like I can't remember who it was, but one of the journalists pointed out why because someone tweeted to their tweeting in the view, like, why is everyone so fussed? We need his kind of player right now. He's a speed rusher. And right now, yes, we're getting all these pressures. They're not really converting to sacks. We're allowing QBs one of the low, like the longest time to throws in the pocket. We have one of the lowest, like time to sacks in the league in terms of length. And that we need someone who can clean up, and that's what Houston did. He was an elite speed rusher. Maybe okay, yeah. As I said in the off, uh, the, uh, the preseason might need to work a bit on his run defense and such to maybe get a more consistent role. But when it comes to sort of third and longs, he was elite on them. Like we just have to remember his debut against like proper debut against the Bills, where he just did the Mario dip, passed to tackle a couple of times and sacked Josh Allen. And that's kind of what we need right now. And that's why all the fans are calling him for him. So seeing him working out after practice today is a little revitalization to our the, the fan base because we're like, maybe he can come back. And when it comes to the playoffs, when we need a we're in a further long against a team, we need someone to get a sack to seal the game, he could be that guy for us.
0: Yeah, cuz we all seem to have edge rushers in a particular mold. Charles Harris is not a speed rusher. I mean, he runs a 4840. He is not a fast guy. Romeo Okware is not a fast guy. Julian's the only one who can really do it apart from apart from Houston. So hopefully he can come back earlier than that. But and did you did you see that from Dan Campbell saying that Houston may not come back until after Christmas, just after Christmas and it's like but we've just seen him working out and and he looks okay. We need him.
2: Just lulling everyone into a false sense of security. Nah, he's not back till December. Okay. No, but he had a serious injury. um, And ankles, especially with what he does, his ankles are pretty critical. So as you've said, there's one thing putting pressure on it and running around the field. There's another bending at about 90 degrees around the left tackle, putting pressure on it, trying to bring down a 200-pound quarterback. So, you know, there's... I can understand why they're taking it cautionary with him. And, and if you say that and he's back sooner, then great. But if you say start of December and he's not there till the end of December, then you're like, well, why did you say that? So I think with injuries, you're always more... Um, you're always more on the longer side, so that you know you're just covering all your bases. Really, you
0: can only get a good outcome if he comes back early. And we've obviously made all of these moves uh, that that you just missed out on on chatting about. But just to revert back to that, obviously, vitae to IR, you had a lot of say on on Twitter about that, which I thought was really nice. And then Bruce Irvin being signed to the practice squad. Any any thoughts on those two moves?
2: I mean, Bruce, you know, guy who's done it in the league forever and a day. Our veterans are not stepping up doing the job, so maybe we need another veteran who's going to come in and, and step up and do the job. It doesn't hurt to have him there to remind the guys on the main roster that, Four and a half sacks between the lot of you not named Aiden Hutchinson, it's not an acceptable statistic for ten weeks into a season. We need more from you. You're not doing well enough, and this guy who's been there, done everything, think he's won a Super Bowl as well. It's like he's sat there, he's still hungry, and he's after your job so it I think it's good to have someone like that sort of sitting there waiting because if you have another week or two of all these ineffective performances, I'm ready to start jettisoning these guys and getting ready for the future, you know, get the roster spots available, start deciding what you're going to do in free agency and the draft in regards to it and make progress. Cause yeah, it's just four and a half sacks between what six guys. We said edge was seven deep coming into the season and we were quite confident that we were going to be really good in that department. And I mean, even Hutch isn't getting the the finish. Set. I know he's playing really well, but no one's helping him. And we need that more than anything, which is why I'm missing Houston's so bad. Because, you know, as, as you guys were saying when I first came on, it's, it's the speed aspect. There's, there's no one as quick as him and who can bend as much as him around there. And that puts a lot of pressure on an offensive line. And when you don't have that, when you have too many of the the samey-same guys like we have, it's it's easier to deal with. So I I like the moves that we've made. Bring him in, he's a vet guy who knows what he's done. And and they're not going to bring in a scrub who's collecting a paycheck. I think he's still got something to prove. So, yeah, you've got to keep wheeling and dealing. You've got to keep finding ways. And, you know, we need help at Edge. And and Brad's gone out and done that. So great for him. For Hal, it's just disappointing. I mean... (laughs) I'm pretty sure two years ago I was not I was not on Hal's side because I was a big Tyrell Crosby fan. So that kind of almost put me at odds with Hal, given I wanted Tyrell to have the right tackle position. And you know, he won me over completely with how he came about and did his business. Tennis said how much he's helped in his development, and you can't deny how much he's helped this team. And to see him have this injury, you know, back injuries is just, just a it's a put no pun intended, a backbreaker for alignment. It's just so hard to come back from because you're using your back every single play. You are putting so much pressure on it, and it's just, it's a really hard injury to come back from. So I'm disappointed. I hope there is a future where he can spend the rest of the season recovering, the entirety of the off-season recovering. He's got nearly a year now at this point. Get him into some sort of shape and bring him in on a vetmin deal, or oh, hell, even a practice squad play, should probably sneak him by at this point and have him around as depth on a much cheaper deal if he can. But if not, maybe coaching? I don't know. But I just wish him best wherever he goes. I do. He's he's, he's overcome a lot of initial scepticism because of that in contract Quinn gave him, which you can't blame the player for. Of course, he's going to sign that deal. But yeah, it's disappointing for him.
0: Definitely is. Right, let's get on to the Bears Preview. And the Bears coming to this game last in the NFC North at 3-7. Their expected wins per pro football reference is 3.7. Their season so far, well, they didn't start out the best with losses against Green Bay at Tampa Bay and at Kansas City, as well as at home to Denver. Got on the board with a win at Washington, but then a loss against Minnesota, a win against Las Vegas. Losses against the Chargers and the Saints and then a win at home most recently against the number one seeded Carolina Panthers. Seeded? Draft position? That's what I meant. Uh, anyway, very different things, those two. Uh, the betting for this game has come in significantly with the news uh, that Bugs and Jackson are out, and Fields and Herbert are back. So this game... Just 24 hours ago was a nine-point spread in favor of the Lions. It is now 7.5 and is coming in. The Bears are 16 to 5. The Lions are 4 to 1 on. That puts the Lions' uh, estimated win percentage at about 80% with those odds. The over-under is 48 points. As I mentioned, Bugs and Jackson out. They did not practice all week. For the Bears, Noah Sewell is out. And therefore, you will not get all of those three brothers playing in this game, unfortunately. Uh, Edmonds, Sanborn, and Foreman are all questionable. So that is a big potential loss for the Bears with with no Soul and Sanborn and Edmonds questionable. Their linebacker core in the interior is looking particularly thin. Uh, I mentioned Herbert is back. He was the only notable player on injured reserve for the Bears. Uh, I'm going to go into the depth chart and the starters in just a minute, but boys, does that feel kind of like a fair line in it coming in because of those things? Ash, we were talking about the news off the air about Fields and Herbert being activated. Do you think Herbert's a bigger deal than Fields? Yep,
1: for me, yeah, personally, because Fields, yeah, he can run all day. Good. Good. Gives the Bears account a couple of clips to tweet later on in the week. Passing-wise doesn't really hurt us. Herbert, however, with somebody of the, I know me and uh, Matt were going through some of the premium stats and PFF and that. According to some of them, he's been really damn good this year. Like, his top 10 uh, for backs have had like at least 20 carries in like yards after contact, breakaway run rates, all these premium stats. So, yeah, he's not really getting loads of carries. He's getting about between five and 10 a game, but he's really making use of those. So someone who can hit the second level, break off those big runs for me is bigger than someone who can just run around from pressure and then throw an interception to Aiden Hutchinson because he doesn't see him lined up a cornerback. Like neither of the QBs for Chicago really scare me. Herbert kind of does a bit because we saw what Echo did to us last year, uh, last week. And if, The Bears look at the tape and use her, but in those kind of roles, he could do some damage on us.
0: And do you think that line coming in is fair with those moves? I mean, I think Jackson's a big loss for us.
2: Yeah, but even with Jackson out, I mean, you're talking about a team that's levels, and I mean levels better than them and you know we've missed jackson for games this year we've missed half our offensive line for games this year and we've still done fine i think them bringing it in is is it's out of pity i'd be smashing the hell out of this line i'd i'd back us to beat double over this team our trenches are so much better and it's not just that they execute so much better they are You know, they are coached much better. We've seen this in recent weeks. The offensive line is coached to an elite gold standard, no matter who's in there, and it just does its job so damn well. The defensive line, whilst it's not getting the end production, it's like one of the best in the league against the run. It's one of the best in the league at getting pressure. It's just trying to finish it off. You know, we are that far in front of them at this point. I don't think it makes a jot of difference in this game. We are a far superior team to what they are. And we're going to absolutely kick their ass. And this line coming down is just a bit of a joke for me. I I don't really think it matters. Herbert coming back actually might be a blessing because Donta Foreman is a pain in the ass. He is a pain in the ass running back who, wherever he goes, he doesn't seem to get a contract, but he seems to pull out yards. He seems to do all the dirty work and give that offense something that it needs. It helps it move the chains and be adequate if Herbert comes back and starts eating into his carries and disrupting his momentum, that might be better for us. And Fields is coming back after an extended layoff, and we all remember what we did to Fields. Everyone goes, oh, Fields destroyed you and all this. What was he, 9 of 22, 75 yards and a pick last year at Ford field, one interception. Oh, yeah, he had the nice fancy runs, and he beat us a bit through the air at Soldier Field, but the team adapted to him. The one game and they figured him out and they exposed his shortcomings. So I don't care whether it's him or Bajan, they all turn the ball over a lot. You're able to take take part in that. So, no, I don't think the moves matter a jot. Um, I would just absolutely smash us to take that. I don't think the Bears have got a chance in hell of covering, what, seven and a half points? No way. They'll not cover
0: double. Yeah, I'm just looking through the stats now. In the...
1: It was Inge. 7 of 21 for 75 oh, yeah. yards, one touchdown, one interception, and then 10 rushes for 132 yards and no touchdowns.
2: That's it. He had two fancy runs against us last year, which everyone remembers. And and that's it. People forget the rest of the game. And they forget that he threw, what, two pick-sixes against us? We had him home and away. It's like he's yeah. just been – he's – Yeah. You yeah. know what he is. And, and Glenn seems to know how to scheme for him and that offense. It's the same offensive coordinator. It's bland and vanilla as hell. It doesn't matter whether Fields is there or not. And like I say, if you're going to cut into your best running back time, they should just run Foreman. They should use Herbert sparingly and just let Foreman do his stuff. You cut in there, then that's going to cause issues in camp. That's going to cause issues with him. So I think it's great that he's back.
0: Let's move into the Chicago team. So, as we say, Justin Fields is back. Tyson Bajin has played the last four games and has gone two and two as a starter. Fields was one and five before that. Uh, The third man is Nathan Peterman in the funniest thing ever. Uh, The four running backs for the Chicago Bears could be four guys who might all be running back two in other NFL teams. Don Foreman... Roshon Johnson, Travis Homer, and Khalil Herbert coming back off IR. Wide receiver-wise, they are a bit light. When have they not been? DJ Moore is the number one that came in the big trade out of the number one pick. He's been fantastic so far this season. Darnell Mooney, Tyler Scott, Equinemius St. Brown, Trent Taylor, Vellus Jones. So do they have three wide receivers people actually want? I'm not sure, but they definitely have one. Despite how much the argument between Bears fans and Lions fans is about DJ Moore and Amrass and Brown, in isolation, DJ Moore is a fantastic wide receiver one. And he's playing, he's having a career year uh, so far. We'll come into that in just a little bit. Tight ends, Cole Komet, Bob Tonian, and Mercedes Lewis. Front five, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins. Uh, I was about to say Cody Whitehair, but it's not going to be Cody Whitehair. It's going to be Lucas Patrick, Nate Davis, and Darnell White. Uh, Wright. Cody Whitehair has been benched, which I think is, well, unfair when it's Lucas Patrick coming in relief, even though he hasn't been that good. But anyway, uh, on defence, Yannick Ngakwe, and Andrew Billings, Justin Jones and Montez Sweater, they're starting four, but they've got some depth in that line. It's not, Despite it not being great in terms of starters, they've got Zach Pickens and Gervin Dexter and Demarcus Walker to back up, as well as Dominique Robinson. Uh, the linebackers, they've got T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds and Jack Sanborn and Noah Saul. But, of course, Saul is not going on this one. And Edmonds and Sanborn are questionable. So who have they got him <laughs> as backups? Otherwise, Dylan Cole, apparently. No, me neither. Um, cornerbacks, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson is pretty frisky. And then safeties, Jaquan Brisker. And Eddie Jackson with Elijah Hicks as backup. Kick is Cairo Santos. Punt is Trenton Gill. And uh, the long snapper, I've never listed before for a rival team. But I'll do it, because why not? The not of tradition. Patrick Scales. Everyone loves long snappers. <laughs> um, boys, when we have a look over all this team, and I'll come to you first, what's the overwhelming feeling when it comes to the Bears?
2: They've got some individually very talented players but they are miles away from being a complete team. Like the drafts have been weird with them. They've not really gone after their lines, you know, because when we think of Bears football, we think of that defensive line and it absolutely kicking our ass for years and years and years. And that's what Bears football is all about. They've got, I think they're the least or second least in the league this year in terms of sacks. They don't get pressure off there, not particularly good at stopping the run in a lot of circumstances. And you look at it, yeah, you've bought Sweat, but you're paying him 100 million and he's not even close to being worth that. You've given a pair of linebackers 100 million and they're struggling there. When you get more production out of Jack Sample and who's an undrafted free agent. And then you've had a lot of high draft picks in the secondary and you put a lot of investment in it and you're still getting dice through the air. I think, like I said, there, there are a lot of good guys in there, like Jaquan Brisker. I love him on the Lions. Wanted him last year. They got him, unfortunately. But they just look miles away from the team. It's really bad coaching. Like, say, that offense, they got loads of big plays, like loads of explosive plays in there. Why? Because teams come up on them. Because they're so vanilla, it's screens, it's just trying to run the ball all the time. I reckon the majority of their passes are screens. Like that's all he tries to do. And then occasionally they'll hit you downfield because you just bring everybody up and they'll get lucky occasionally. But, you know, you've got talented players in there. DJ Moore, yes, very talented. You know, it's like Tevon Jenkins, Tevon Jenkins on the line, very talented. You know, you've got Cole Komet, who is a pain in our ass, and he's like, he's the one. Like everybody, even DJ Moore, I don't care about him. Cole Komet's the one who's always killed us, you know, constantly. Very talented players, but badly coached and too many holes in there for them to be realistically that good. They've beaten up on bad teams this year. When they come up against good teams, they just don't have the team to fight against them. They they beat other bad teams. So I, I don't know. I don't get how they're building that side uh, it's nowhere near as good as their fans mouthed off that it was going to be, but that doesn't mean I don't like some of the guys in there. But I'm not particularly enamoured by that team. What about you, Ash?
1: I completely agree. So I was just quickly doing some quick math. Ten ten percent of their plays roughly are screens. That's pretty damn high, I believe. Like, but yeah, again, play. They've got some good players. DJ Moore. Me and uh, Matt were discussing it off uh, air before we started. Top 15, 20 wide receiver in the league. Really damn productive on some bad offenses in Carolina. We had Cam Newton throwing him the ball and Sam Darnold throwing him the ball to so come here, and he's putting up career numbers. Really good, damn good receiver. Just stuck on bad teams. Darnell right, obviously, everyone uh, was it was Eric Schwitz draft plush in this uh, in the first round this year. Really good right tackle, coming really solidified that position for them. Commit's to damn good tight ends. As we all know, preferred me to speak about her, uh, Herbert. He's a good running back. So is Foreman. Like we saw what he do, he can do when he gets up to speed last year when he was playing in, for the Panthers. Roshan Johnson, arguably one of the best college backups last year behind Bijan, Pretty really damn good running back. When he hopefully he gets a few more carries for them when he's not playing. They're not playing us. Any on the defensive line, Sweat's a good player. Happy to get for him to get his payday now at the Bears, but they've had to use all their cap. He's got a lot of money. We all can remember that how much I like Zach Pickens and Gondor Dexter in the draft class. I was really high in them, and there's day two prospects. They're not really getting played that much by them and not really being put in positions to succeed. Like the list, I can see, obviously, I'm on our lads. They're listing Zach Pickens as a nose tackle when he was an undersized D tackle. Like, that's bad scheming. Edmonds... Ed, well out of the two their starting linebackers are like tj edwards a lot more than like Tremaine edmonds i wanted, i was kind of low like low-key maybe thinking of signing edwards as a free agent for us he's a damn good linebacker and obviously Jaden johnson John brister eddie jackson good players been for a couple of years just stuck on that bad secondary is the pass rushing fronts and falls apart and i like stevenson in the draft as a man coverage corner and he's kind of because he's been the weakest link. He's just been uh, taken every which way by passing offences. So, again, there's people, there's players I like, but yeah, it's just a scheme. It's very much like, I hate bringing this up, it's kind of like our Patricia one where we had a load of talent, but because we just weren't putting it in the right places, it just wasn't working and we weren't winning games. That's what's happening here, in my opinion.
0: It's really, it's a bizarre team. Um, It would go in the hall of mid if it could, because... If I have a look at this team, I don't think it's bad. Like, I just don't think it's a legitimately awful team. Like, that starting five in the offensive line, you go into it saying, we'd like to improve. But there's a lot of teams that would look at that and go, it's better than what we have. Like there's a lot of shit O lines out there. And that's, that's just not a like...
2: compliment though, is it really? No, no, okay,
0: but but the idea of like if you want to be the worst team in the league, then having the worst offensive line is a really great way to start. And I just don't think they're there either. They've got a legitimate couple of weapons in the passing game, in like you say, in DJ Moore and, and Cole Komet. Fields, I think, is a bit of a liability when it comes to passing the ball, and he's just kind of holding the team back a little bit now. And you guys know I'm one of the Fields believers, but at this point you got to start saying, got to do it soon, otherwise you're off, mate. And, I mean, they've gone all in on the running game, which has worked in terms of the metrics, and I'll talk that in a minute. Montez Sweat was a player who they've vastly overpaid for, but he's going to give them an injection of something they needed because, like Ant said, they're, like, second last in the league in sacks. And he's not a big sack guy, but he's going to get some pressure, and they sorely need it because the back seven is Good. Like Sanborn has legitimately, as an undrafted player, been one of the best linebackers in the NFL since he came in last year. Like he's been fantastic. TJ Edwards, obviously one of the best in. Uh, uh, sorry, which one am I thinking of? Tremaine or TJ? TJ. Thank you. Sorry, Edwards and Edmonds, I get confused. TJ Edwards, fantastic linebacker, and, and Edmonds isn't bad either. The back four, I mean, maybe Gordon isn't great. I like Tyreek Stevenson. Jalen Johnson, I hate, but. Apparently he's good. And Brisker and Jackson are the solid safeties. So fix that front four. And that defense isn't too far away. Again, I say it's very easy to say fix that front four. But with Sweat, there may be only three away now from having something passable. So yeah. I don't think this is as big a rebuild as people think it is. It's just they've got kind of key gaps somewhere. And it starts for me, boys, at quarterback. So yeah. the
2: the thing I have against it is... Where's the young core? Like that team is a rebuild. Whether they like it or not, they are a rebuilding team. So why are you paying Tremaine Edmonds? Why are you paying Montez Sweat? Why are you paying big money out for all these guys when like say you've got Jack Sanborn out of the draft? You can make him your starting linebacker. You know, this is that's how a good young team builds and you look, is the quarterback young? I mean, well, in the grand scheme of things, yes, but they're probably going to can him this year if they lose much more. The running backs, kind of, you got Herbert but all Vets. The wide receivers, DJ Moore's the big guy there. The rest of them are scrubs. There's, there's no future there. The offensive line, Tevon Jenkins and Darnell Wright are the young guys, yeah. Braxton Jones, maybe, if he could be. But, like, where's their Penny? their Amon Ra, their Aidan, their, you know, they've skipped the process, like, we went through a couple of very rough years deliberately knowing we were building a young core, trying to find guys out of nowhere, trying to make as much as this team as possible before imbe- investing. They've skipped that step. And now that Ibal job is in danger, this sweat thing smacks of trying to save his job, not what's best for the team, what's best for the head coach like Matt Patricia. It's not what's best for this team, what's best for him and trying to save his badass. And it was terrible for us and I I, and that's what I feel with this team yeah they've got some very skilled players on there but they're not at a level where they can be acquiring those skilled players because they don't have the future longevity they're not in a Super Bowl run and all these contracts for them are terrible I mean they've just given Billings the nose tackle a new two or three year deal he's old it's I don't know I just I just think the build of this team is really bad and it smacks of poles trying to rush the process and I think it's going to bite them very quickly
0: One of the metrics I actually wanted to mention is the disparity between run and pass on both sides of the ball. And I won't do it with DVOA. I'll do it with EPA instead because it tells the same story. In terms of offensive rushing EPA, the Bills are third in the NFL. In terms of defensive rush EPA per play, the Bears are number one in the NFL. This team is legitimately hard to run the ball on and they are hard running the ball. So why are they so bad? Why are they losing games? Well,
1: well I this, don't know why you're this... bringing up the Bills when we're doing a Bears preview. Oh, sorry. I really love the Bills, Bill. but I've been talking about
0: I've been talking about the Bills in the chat. I'm, I'm obsessed. The Bears. Sorry, the Bears are better than the Bills. The Bears are 31st in the NFL in defensive passing EPA per play. And passing, uh, offensive passing, they are eighth worst, 25th in the NFL. So it's just a story of two different things. They can't defend the pass and they can't pass the ball, but they can do the opposing things against the run. I think the problem is that those metrics feed into each other. Teams realise they can't defend the pass, and so they pass the ball more, and that means they don't face the run as much. And, I mean, if you have a look at their stats this year, the teams that they've faced, when it comes to um, rushing the ball, they've only conceded 100 yards on the ground twice, and that was against Kansas City and Tampa in two of the first three games. They conceded 29 against Washington, 39 against the Raiders, 43 against the Panthers, 46 against the Vikings. But they're giving up plenty through the air. And, you know, it's just a team that's wildly – teams have figured them out. This is their biggest problem, right? Teams have zeroed in on exactly how to beat them, and then they just execute game plan. And it's very telling. When they beat the Panthers, and you get the calls about coming in, having a chat with the team after the game, and all you can hear is, fuck Green Bay, which I respect – and fire Luke Getsey. And that is what the Bears fans think, even after a victory on Thursday night football.
2: Yeah. And that's why you have to look at those stats with a little bit more panache. Like you say with the running game and stuff. It's like you see it all the time. You see it in college. Like a college defense is passing, you know, defense is 130th, but the run defense is top five. And you're like, why? And then you look at it and you're like, well. They face like a quarter of the runs of everybody else because people have figured out that they just can't defend the pass. And when you're that one-dimensional, that's not good for you on either side of the ball. It's the same with them running the ball. It's where they get the most success. Their offensive line is a lot better at run blocking and run protection than it is against the pass. So, of course, they have more success that way. But then when you come up against the good teams who stop you doing that and force you to wear it out, You've seen all the picks they've been throwing recently and you've seen all the turnovers from the quarterbacks. That's why. And that's why Getse to be fired because you look at it and it is incredibly vanilla. I listen to Ryan most weeks on Bear Down and they hate him. He, It's like with Patricia. You know how we used to say, um, run, run, pass. Like We used to joke about that with Patricia. We used to be able to call this. They're exactly the same with getsy They can call his scheme before he even deploys it on the field. It's that vanilla, and it is. Screens, 10%, that's a lot when you're just doing that all the time. Screens, try and move the chains a little bit, try and get the play action going, and when it's so predictable, you know, it just leads to a situation where they are a really bad team. The only time they've come up against teams who are worse than they are, and you know, they've beaten in the battle of mid-offs, and You've seen how good teams adapt to them. Score quickly, get in front of them, put them a few scores behind, take their best weapons away. They can't spend seven, eight minutes trying to grind out a drive with a run and then you just expose them completely. And the coaching's atrocious. That's where you win it against them. It's the coaches. They can't adapt. They can't change. And quite frankly, they're just not good enough to go out there and win games against good teams, despite maybe having the talent at their disposal to at least give them a good run for their money. They don't.
1: Yeah,
0: I completely agree. It's such a big distinguisher in this league is who's calling the damn plays. And I mean, it's so obvious when you say it, but it's a really underrated factor of most of these games. And actually, when it comes to reviewing these, it's maybe something that we could focus more on, I could focus more on in terms of and who we're playing is what the coaches are, who what they like to do, what success they've had in their career, because it's informative. It really is. Let's look at the offense a little bit, actually, overall, and then the offense for the Bears. Uh, So, PFF have them at 27th overall, 23rd on offense, 29th on defense. DVOA has them 28th overall, 25th on offense, 28th on defense. So not much variation there. On offense, they play 85% of their snaps between 11 personnel and 12 personnel, 61 in 11, and 24 in 12 getting minus 0.05 and 0.14 EPA per play in those. They pass two thirds of the time in 11 personnel and just under half the time in 12. To counter those formations, the majority of teams play a variation of nickel against them 425, 30% of the time, 245, 26% of the time. And then in uh, oh, another nickel formation 3-3-5 9% of the time and then in some variations of base only 19% of the time 3-4-12% and 4-3-3% so the majority of teams are coming out facing the Bears in nickel a huge amount of the time or dime formations uh, Justin Fields as the starter this season 100 completions on 162 attempts uh, I have no idea what that number is that I've just put in there. Never mind. 1,201 yards, 11 touchdowns, six interceptions, uh, a passer rating of 91.6 and a QBR of 39.1. He's also on the ground. 47 rushes for 237 yards. That's five yards per carry and one touchdown on the ground. PFF grade of 73.6. Donta Foreman is the lead back at the moment, though, of course, with Khalil Herbert coming back and Foreman questionable. We'll see who goes. Foreman who tore us a new one last year, 86 carries for 367 yards. That's 4.3 yards per carry and three touchdowns. Also nine of 13 um, in the air for a touchdown. Although I'm being very bad with choosing my stats for this. Uh, PFF grade for him is 77.1. DJ Moore, I mentioned that he was having a career year and he he's having a damn good year by his standards. So DJ Moore 52 catches on 71 throws, 793 yards, five touchdowns for him. And having a look at his career, he's on track to smash his um, his yards per game because he has had a the mo- he had three consecutive 1100 yard seasons in Carolina. Fell off last year with 888, with 793. Now he's already going to pass last year's total comfortably. And he played 17 games there too, but he's on pace for, let me see now. So he's on 79 yards a game. Oh, he's on 79 yards a game in his best season. So yeah, he's, he's, he's about there actually, but it's still a very good year for the first year in, in the Chicago offense. Uh, Tight end Cole Komet, 46 catches on 57 targets, 419 yards, 9.1 yards per catch, five touchdowns for him, PFF grade of 71. The grade for Moore was 84.5. Other good grades in this team... Mercedes Lewis, 76, Tevin Jenkins, 72, the right guard, moving over to left for this game to accommodate Nate Davis, and the running back, Rochon Johnson, 68.2, the rookie. Other bad grades in there, Larry Boreham, the backup tackle, 49.5, Gargiataya Carter, who was a late round draft pick last year, this year, last year, can't remember. He's got a grade of 49, Lucas Patrick, 48.9, and he's coming into the team for this game. And Bob Tonian from Green Bay, the tight end, 47.1. Oh, and Cody here too. He was uh, obviously dropped for this game. He had a 44.7 grade. So maybe Lucas Patrick at a 48.9 is an upgrade. Um, this is a weird team on offense. And maybe this feeds into the rushing stats that we were talking about earlier. On third down, they are seventh in the NFL with a conversion rate of 43.6%. On fourth down seven completions on six or conversions on 16 attempts is 23rd in the nfl but in the red zone they're very good 17 touchdowns on 27 trips that's fifth in the nfl so good on third down good in the red zone which speaks to being a good solid rushing team when it comes to short yard short yardage situations i've spoken enough it's clearly late and i'm struggling to speak here so i'm going to pass over to you guys this offense ranked 23rd and 25th by those big metrics pff and, and dvoa basic formations with not much variation met with nickel a lot of the time and they're able to run on it some good grades in there some good players quite efficient when they want to be but boys they're struggling to put points on the board and that's what it comes down to when it's all said and done oh
1: well, yeah so i'm i'm actually gonna do you mentioned a few minutes ago and Discuss the offensive coordinators, maybe explain why. Because I do know a tiny bit about Getzi, because he obviously used to be the QB coach and passing game coordinator for Green Bay before he became an offensive coordinator. Which means he's part of the Shanny system, which perhaps explains a bit about the insistence on the run, the use of formations, and perhaps why they haven't been so good passing the ball. Because what have we seen in the league over the past couple of years for the Shanny system to really work? He needs a good QB who's able to distribute the ball on time. Brock Purdy, Jimmy G, Tannehill when he had his good years. All good QBs who, when in time and in rhythm, can distribute the ball well, accurately, on time to their receivers. Players like Justin Fields, Trey Lance, who might have the flashy rushing stats and the big arms and such, but aren't so good in rhythm, can't really distribute the the ball on time to their receivers. At a good place, they don't work in this system. So perhaps that explains a tiny bit why this offense is kind of failing because it's not putting fields in the best position to succeed scheme wise. Like I'm looking now at us, because obviously I was saying, doing preview articles. He is elite according to PFF in the deep zones, 96.3 grade passing grade when targeting, when his targets are 20 plus yards down the field. And that's pretty damn good. But they only throw that deep, 16% of the time. They throw the ball roughly about the other percentage. They're throwing all close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, okay, zero to nine yards, good, about 80 grade. But every QB is like that. Into the intermediate zone, which is kind of where the NFL passing offences go these days, especially the Shani scheme, below average grade, 51.2. He can't use the area of the field that is the most important in today's NFL where you target the linebackers and the safeties. Phil just can't do that in this scheme. And that's where DJ Moore on in breaking Routes, uh, does his work. Darnell Mooney in the slot does his work. The only a p- player that Fields can seemingly consistently target there is Cole Komet, and that's because he's a big ass motherfucker. So it's easy. So if Phil throws it a couple yards off uh, <laughs> off target, he's got the catch edges to bring it in. It's just this it, it might be that Fields needs a new offensive coordinator to maybe who can use the best of him but at the same time the Bears need a UQB as you said because it's just not worked for him here he needs a new start so if they keep Getty around and they get Caleb Williams in god help them because they're probably going to do the same to him and yeah he might have a bit better of a defense who can you know actually stop some people every once in a while but he's still got to be the guy there and Kind of we've seen this year with Williams at USC to kind of go a bit into Ants territory. He can't do it all by himself. And that's what he might be here. The QB has to do everything himself and just kind in the modern NFL. So that's why they're fa then.
2: Caleb's performing a masterful tank at the minute. He's just putting himself behind Drake. So Drake is the one who has to go to Chicago. I, I, I admire Caleb's dedication to his own personal tank. It's great. I think he's a great guy, but Ash is right. Fields isn't that good in some regards. I mean, JT showed it on QB School. Bajant drops back a full second quicker than Justin Fields does. I mean, the drop back, he's so slow and lethargic and looking for his guys early. Tyson Bajant confident, quick drop back, scans the field, good pass, because I know he's thrown a load of picks, but he's an undrafted free agent from Div 2. I mean, like, he's seen lots of looks he's never seen for the first time. He has athletes he's never ever played against in his life, to the calibre he has. But the one thing he is, he's quite good with his passing efficiency. Why? Because he's dropping back, quick and putting himself in the best situations. And he can throw with anticipation. Justin Fields cannot throw like with even the smallest amount of anticipation. It's it's crazy. You see JT again and again and again pulling up plays where he's not firing until his guy's already in. What's the one thing Goff's done really well this year? He's throwing with elite anticipation. His balls are halfway to the target before the guys are coming out the routes because he knows exactly where they're going to be. That is a good, confident quarterback. Justin Fields is not. And you're coming into year three and you're still lacking these things. It's not good. He may be a flashy QB who does all the running stuff and bits like that, but the fundamentals which will see him succeed at the next level for a long time are not there, and they've been shown by an undrafted guy who came out like this year (laughs) playing his first ever football at this level before. So there is certainly an issue there with him. And the other thing I very quickly wanted to mention, you mentioned DJ Moore. He's on course for a career year. Who's played two games less than him and has 30 more receiving yards this year? Oh yeah, the guy hey. on our team who is not as <laughs> good as him. First there was Mooney. Then there was Claypool. And then there was more. They're better than Amar, say Brown, shut up. No, they're not. Two less games and Amar has more yards.
0: Six hundred yard games this year. You think he's in that category? Eh. Uh-uh, wrong. I do want to bring out Darnell Mooney now that you mention his name, because now DJ Moore has actually taken the wide receiver one spot from him. All the narrative was, well, now Darnell Mooney doesn't have to be the guy as the wide receiver one as the only guy worth his salt. And to his credit, he did very well in that role as a guy who should never have been in that position, but was forced to perform. He had a 1,055-yard season in 2021. He played 12 games last year for 493 yards. He's played ten games this year, all of them, and he has three hundred and twenty-one yards. You're meant to be getting better assignments. Where are you? He feels like the deep threat this year.
2: I, I can't corroborate that, but it feels like a lot of his uh, catches are big ones, so. deep down uh, the field. Because you know, in,
0: I've got it in front of me. He's fourteen point six wrong, yards, fourteen point six yards per reception. That's one point six yards higher than his career year, and it's two point three it... yards higher than last year.
2: Because the one thing I've noticed about this offense, first play of the game, they will launch it a fucking mile. And they've done that multiple times now. Mooney seems to be the guy they go at. So, you know, they they try and catch you unawares, this team. But I say, when you pull up the stats saying how good he is throwing deep downfield, like I said, he doesn't throw that much. And the reason is, again, as I've already said, defenses tighten up against here because they're run-based. They throw screens, you do bring your guys up. So it is going to give you some better matchups down the field, but you're not going to get away with that all the time. Same with the red zone conversion. I'm willing to bet they've not been in the red zone like anywhere near as much as a lot of other teams have. You know, there's a low scoring offense in a lot of cases. I don't reckon they go there as much. But... Yeah, I just want to mention those bits, but I will be nice and say Komet's a p- monster and I hate him. And we need to find something to stop him, whether it be a baseball bat or a load of gun or, or something that stops him running on us. It's, I think he, again, might be wrong, but I feel like he got all their receiving touchdowns against us last year. I'm sure he got two at Soldier Field and I'm sure he I got think. the one they got at Ford Field. I could be wrong. But he's got to be top of the guys who scored touchdowns
0: on us for Chicago last year. He's a menace. He is a menace. Um, In terms of red zone trips, this year they've had 27. We've had 31. We've scored 15 touchdowns from the red zone trips. They've scored 17. So they have legitimately more red zone touchdowns than us on less trips. They are genuinely more efficient. We score more deep touchdowns. So.
1: Yeah, for me, well, to go into that red zone, I think it is because Fields can run it because it just gives you that other dimension in the red zone where you can run a speed option or read option with Fields and the teams have to respect it. It's either Foreman gets the ball and is able to get five, six yards and score a touchdown or Fields keeps it and heads just beats people to the corner and gets in. Like I love Goff to bits, but that's probably the one thing Fields has on him is in the red zone. Fields' legs just make him a different Goff factor. Has though, so. Goff has got, Goff, got Goff, a Russian Goff touchdowns in Liliv- him last yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Goff is Vic Liliv- <laughs> this year, though,
0: like, I think he's got Goff had his own read this year for a touch. Yes, down, I did. know, it
1: was great, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> I called <laughs> for it last week. You clipped it and put he's it on got, the bloody he's thing. Got, he's got two now, hasn't
2: he? I think Fields has only got one this year. Although that's like, oh, damn it. it, it yeah. It feels... Because okay. like, they, they've made a deliberate part of their offence this year not to run him as much, haven't they? They're trying to keep him in the pocket more and they're trying to get passing it more, a la what the Ravens and Lamar
0: Jackson. Oh, I was about to say, yeah. my
2: apologies, but yeah. What it, they did with
0: Josh Allen as well.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it, it's obviously working treats for the Ravens, but you kind of feel like Justin Fields' whole thing is you are really scared by how he can run the ball. And when you, you're like, you're clipping his wings. When you keep him in there he doesn't make the most sensible decisions. He's still very turnover with It feels like you're really tying a hand behind his back with this, which is why the Bears' coaching is so, you know, mysterious to me. It's like, well, yeah, you don't want to run the ball all the time, but you've got to make it a viable part of your game. That's what makes yeah. your offense good. And they've deliberately gone out their way to not do that this year. As though, as though they're, like, trying to prove that he's not a running quarterback, but at the same time, you've got to use him for that.
1: Exactly. Imagine, imagine. So I subscribe to you know, that like player day uh, mm. email system where you get a play. The one today where it was DJ, uh, CJ Stroud on the PA booth where he just throws a, uh, a comeback screen and a comeback post, I mean, down the field. Imagine Fields doing that where you get him in a moving pocket, you've got a nice deep rope for him to run about, and all he has to do then is set his field, uh, set his feet after he's sort of got out the pocket and throw across the field. He'd be elite at that. They aren't doing that with him. And CJ's CJ job obviously comes from Ohio State as well, so probably been taught the exact same things. Shows a difference in coaching, where you've got a uh, player who's come out this year from Ohio State looks like a much better quarterback than the one who's been in the league for four years already.
2: Yeah, and yeah. see, this is why I'm... You know, I'm not sub- a lot of Bears fans subscribe it all to the coaching, but I think it is on fields. Stroud has shown that you can come up here and you can learn this stuff. And, you know, he seems to have found a good balance. And quite frankly, with not even close to the weapons Justin Fields has had in his time there or been invested in, CJ is just defying all sorts of logic at the moment. But there's certainly a lot on fields not developing. Stroud is showing things, like you said, anticipation and that. He's some of the touchdowns have been beautiful this year because of the anticipation, because of the flight of the ball, because of all these little nuanced things that Justin Fields still does not show now.
0: Let me ask you this one question to finish up this chat on the Bears' offence. Would you be more scared of this team with Fields starting with a threat on the ground or Tyson Bajan with a threat with both? Because he could do it on the ground as well. Bajan.
2: Bajan's young and untested and is prone to bad throws. I I I you know, as much as I've ragged on Justin here, I I don't like him being in there. I prefer Bajan. You can you can hound rookies into mistakes better, like raw rookies like him. Field still has his legs to be able to get out. Of course, we've seen many times against us, and he can still do that, but yeah, I I would prefer them to have Bajan from our point of view.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm with you. And I I know there will be Lions fans who look at Bajin. And I even said it. I think the offense is operating better with Bajin at quarterback. He is, as you adequately says, a better drop-back passer. He gets back quicker, makes better throws. But Fields can run for 170 yards on the ground for you. And if he can pass for another 100, that can be enough to win a game. And that can take over. That can also clock manage. You know, there are ways to. There are more ways to win with Fields and the team than not. But I just wanted to ask the question to see what you thought. If Let's you put go...
2: Goths IQ into Bajan's brain, he'd be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. <laughs> like that? No, I think he oh, yeah. would. I think with that athleticism and Goths IQ, you would make a very dangerous quarterback. That's Which just m- what he lacks at the minute.
1: Which makes sense because you might remember what, this time last year, Reese was saying, "Oh yeah, there's a Division Two quarterback that the Lions have sent scouts to, to watch a couple of times." That was Bajen. So this mm. team also knows a bit about Bajen because we've seen him in college, where not many people knew about him before the Super, uh, the Senior Bowl. We were there watching him. So if it was Bajen as well, we've got a better sense of what he can do well and what he can't do well compared to most NFL teams because we've seen him for a lot longer. Or mm. we feel it's okay, yeah, we've got all these years of game tape of him at Ohio State and now here, but it's he still because he hasn't developed a passer it's that scary thing that if he does somehow one day, he just wakes up and he wakes up on the right side of the bed. And suddenly that switch is flipped in his head. And he suddenly figures out up there, how to be a QB. He could be damn scary. Mm. But It's just the fact, as we said earlier, it's been so long that we truly doubt at this point, that switch is ever going to flip. He's never going to flip it around. The best you can hope for maybe is like a Geno Smith revival in five, six years. when He's been bounced around a couple of teams, been in a few offensive schemes and, picks up that process of processing that way rather than it just being there.
2: And he's injured this time. Like, he's coming back off an injury. He's got a bullseye on him now. And I would exploit that if I was the Lions. You know, it's his throwing arm. There's injury to be had there. You put him under pressure, make him panic. It it is a vulnerability. Even though he's back, it's a vulnerability because he's coming back off an injury layoff, which is fairly serious.
0: All right, let's turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball. And the Bears are particularly unimaginative when it comes to formations. Play in nickel 68% of the time and in base 25% of the time. The remaining 7% is made up of a couple of different formations, but nothing more than 5% of their total defensive snaps. When they play nickel, they face the pass 73% of the time which speaks to what we were saying about the Bears being especially weak against the pass. They're conceding 0.05 EPA per... No, they are gaining 0.5 EPA per play. Sorry, my bad. Uh, So in nickel, they're actually doing quite well. Uh, But in base, 4-3, 25% at the time, minus 0.06 EPA per play, facing the pass 43% at the time. So not... Not what that doesn't even make any
1: sense considering what we've been saying about EPA. So I'm going to move it's on. It's because I think when they've got most of their interceptions in nickel, so that does heavily skew EPA, I do believe. Because I was, so I thought the same sense. when I first found this, uh, when I found that uh, the website using when I first found it, I was a bit like that. But yeah, it's because interceptions and fumbles, so basically, turnovers do skew EPA. So you do see, for example, nickel probably is a bit higher because you're more likely to get an interception in that than you are in base, for example. That makes sense.
0: Cool. All right. Well, at least we have a, a thought on that. Um, teams play 11 personnel, 62% of the time against them and 12, 20% of the time. So teams are being fairly conventional against them. In terms of statistical leaders, the leading tackler is TJ Edwards. One pass defended, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, two sacks, 112 tackles, five tackles for loss, five quarterback hits and a PFF grade of 802 Yannick Ngakwe, the late pickup in this offseason, the defensive end. He's the sack leader with three. He has 18 tackles, five tackles for loss, five quarterback hits, and a PFF grade of, wait for it, 38.4. Jalen Johnson, he has been someone that I just don't believe the PFF grade of, but we'll speak about him in a minute. Two interceptions leads the team. One touchdown as well. Four passes defended. A forced fumble. Twenty-three tackles. A tackle for a loss and a PFF grade of eighty-two. And Tyreek Stevenson, the rookie this year, out of yeah. Miami. Miami. Yeah, yeah. Six passes defended. Fifty-seven tackles. A tackle for a loss. PFF grade of forty-seven point six. They obviously traded for Montez. Swept for a early second round pick, as it's going to end up being. To try and change their fortunes on that defensive line. Other good grades in there, I say good in inverted commas. The safety Eddie Jackson, 69.5, cornerback Kyler Gordon, 69.1, and the linebacker Jack Sanborn, 67.7. Bad grades in there. Eli Hicks, the safety. Is Eli? Uh, why can't I remember his name? It is Elijah Hicks, Um, 47.1, and Demarcus Robinson, the d- defensive end, 37.9. On defense, They are one of the worst situational teams in football. 30th on third down, 23rd on fourth down, 31st in the red zone. So not a lot to write home about there, despite being good in rush DVOA and rush EPA per play. And it's like, hang on a minute, in the red zone, you're giving everything up. Again, it's all coming through the air. So there we go. Boys, this defense, I mean... (sighs) It it starts with the front four, it always has, as you said, Ant at the start of this show, and their front four just hasn't got it done this year.
2: No, it it's not a Bears team. Like every team has their foundational thing about them, no matter how many coaches they go through, there's always something about them that defines that team. And with the Bears, it's the edge rush. You know, back in the days when Hakeem Hicks just used to make our life nightmare with Khalil Mack and all these guys. All four guys would need double teaming. That that was kind of what they put in there, and that's what won them so many games. Hell, it's what won them a Super Bowl. You know, the defense has always been the identity there. And again, this is so. This is why I question the ability of this team going forward. because you look at the young pieces there, and there are not you trade for Yannick Ngakwe, who's come in, and you know he's looked all right, but I believe his PFF grade's one of the worst on the teams as well. It's it's all their edges. There's not really been much stock putting the young guys there. Yeah, you're going to get Montez sweating, but he can't do it all on his own. He might be like Aiden. He'll get pressure, but he'll get no sacks. He'll get no production. And then in the centre of the line, you're not really playing your rookies that much either. That The whole point, like the reason Aleem... And guys like that are really good now. We, they got exposed to a lot of football. Maybe a bit too much, who knows. But overall, it's worked out well for us. And you've built a really good, young defensive front. A lot of guys in there for us who are very young, they haven't. And I know they're good. When it, Well, they say they're good defending against the run, but it's because teams don't. You look at all the teams who've beaten them, and I mean, a lot of them don't rush for like more than 50, 60 yards but it still put 350, 400 yards of offense down on them, which is which is more than enough. So, you know, they don't have that, that defensive identity that they usually do. I mean, you know, the linebackers, they've been all right, but, you know, you can't have 100 million in there, have no pass rush, and then expect them to do everything for you and to, to be able to live up to that billing. And the secondary, some guys have hit, some guys have missed it, It's still a big work in progress, which is why... Spending $100 million on Montez Sweat and not just building the damn thing through the draft is so confusing for them. So, you know, they said, situationally, they're bad because they've got some good players, but they've not got a good team and they've not got good coaches and they flatter to deceive, I think, in a lot of these cases. You know, all the interceptions they've got, a lot of the productivity they've got is against bum quarterbacks on bad teams. You look at the good ones and they just don't do the job they're really far away from being where they need to. It's just, it's a weird mix. A load of highly overpaid guys in there and then a load of chafe and a couple of young guys. That doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of telling that you didn't mention what I mentioned one position group. And that's the one this coach really values because he's been a linebacker coach all his damn life. Eba loves his linebackers. Think back to his Colts days with Miss, uh, a guy called Land. He loves his linebackers, yet that's the least valuable position on bloody defense. Yet he keeps pushing it, pushing resources that way. You can have all the like, obviously got Tremaine Edmonds, who good young linebacker, about about eight months older than me, really good, damn good, been to some pro bowls and all that. Not doing much for you this year, T.J. Edwards, great linebacker, getting some stats for you. Hasn't really done that much for you as you said like the density always comes down to the defensive line so again doing my previous articles and gokwe who's obviously we mentioned been the worst pass rusher he's pass rushing grade out of about i think it was about 300 edge rushers who's done more than 80 pass rushing snaps his pay ff grade 229th his pass rush win rate 200th pressures on the uh tied with 54th so that's okay He's not been producing. Their best one, according to BFF, their best pass rusher is Andrew Billings. 92nd of all it's defensive linemen. tackle. <laughs> exactly. 67.4 grade, which is tied for 92nd of all defensive linemen to play more 80 more stats. That's their best one by PFF grade. His pressure's on you, 15, tied for 122nd, uh, and his 10.1 pass rush win rate is 109th. When your best pass rusher has stats that are in the 100s, Really says a lot about you. Bringing to Sweat is great. Great guy. He's having, uh, if he's not even making an impact for you on the pass rush snaps coming to BFF, he's actually having more of an impact, supposedly, on the run defense, has been their best run defender than he is on the pass rush. That kind of says a lot about the way you're sort of scheming up your defense and how you're prioritizing resources. Because look at us. Okay, yeah, some of our hits on uh, some of our acquisitions on pass rush this year have been so good given Charles has the contract case coming off an injury, hasn't been that impactful. Kamish hasn't been as good this year. But at least we've got that steady rotation of guys that all kind of that level. With the Bears, it's Montez Sweat, Yannick Ngokwe, who is oh, a load of athleticism, none of the brain, he's got all the tools, none of the gear to actually make it work, and then just a bunch of nothing. Like, what do they have? They don't have anything there. They, as, as so and They need to really, this draft cycle and free agency, Focus on that, get back to basics, and kind of, oh, fuck off the fuck. like, he's had two years, hasn't really worked out for him. Get someone in, hopefully an offensive, get an offensive guy in who has some connections around the defense. Hopefully can help your new quarterback bed in properly and get someone in who doesn't play, uh, play the fucking cover free Colts, uh, Seattle free defense, which has been found out eight years ago with the shiny scheme. Because that's what Eve Bruce plays. He plays the cover three that the Colts play, that the, Seahol- uh, the Seattle Seahawks played in Legion Boom days. Atlanta played with Dan Quinn. It's an old defense. It doesn't work anymore. We That's two iterations of defense ago. Since then, we've had the Fangio defense, and now we're having our new sort of spit scheme on that we kind of play a bit of, and the Eagles play a bit of now with their new defensive coordinator. If you're playing a scheme that's two iterations ago, you're really outdated and it's shown with their performance on defense. Yeah, you can stop the run for a bit when teams decide to run on you, but when you're passing it, when you're giving it up in the past, when it's a passing league these days, really says a lot and really, really says a lot about how you're prioritizing your defense. Yeah. And I
2: mean, You know, I know know the mocks and everything, but you then look at what people think they're going to do next year when it comes to this team. And, you know, you've got significant investment to make on both your lines. You've got two picks in the top five, a quarterback and a wide receiver. You've got DJ Moore. You've got Justin Fields, if you feel like he's the guy there, and yet you're still going and getting your pretty toys on offense. They might not do it, but there's a reason these mocks are made the way they are. Why... Are they not going after edge rushes? Why are they not going after tackles? But you're still not fixing your defensive identity. And until they do that, doesn't matter how flashy that offense is, how many points it scores. USC shows this every single week. Your defense sucks and just doesn't do anything. It does not matter how good it is. And it's like, you know, they need to rediscover who they are again as a team. Until they do, they're going to, Occupy our place at the bottom of the NSC North because it shows in the way they play. They are so unthreatening to an opposition quarterback that any decent QB will just toy with them and rip them up.
0: Their route to becoming successful as well, just getting away from this game, is, is kind of easy, right? Have the number one pick, trade out of it to number four or something like that, pick up a first next year for your trouble, take... Olufoshanu, take Marvin Harrison those are the transformative players on offense, it gives Fields a chance in one more year to go for it and you've got your two first round picks for the following year to make your QB pick and that buys that quarterback for 2025's draft, a bit more time with some players who've embedded a bit more and two legit weapons when that person comes in as a rookie just don't pick the quarterback this year but they're definitely going to and it's going to be fucking hilarious when they do, because they'll ruin them too
2: you've got to put blue chips in like, Paul's is obsessed with trading away his picks and that, but at some point you have to inject blue-chip players into your team, hence why we've got Pené Sewell in there. I mean, he kind of dropped to us, but still, you know, Aiden, you've going to be a blue-chip player. You've got to inject that sort in there. So to just keep trading away a amassing picks, it's it's not good. because I think Paul's will be on the hot seat next year. He can't afford to. Like, stock next picks for the next GM, screw that. He'll want to do it this year, but
1: there there is a route to them. I think, I think, I think he's already thinking he's on the hot seat now. That's why he's trading yeah. the sweats. Yeah, like
2: he's, and, he's, and for Ibafloos as well. Like, who who is done? What if another coach comes in and doesn't want him, or is he's going to use a different defensive scheme or something? Again, that's why I just this Bears build makes no sense. They're rushing the process with a head coach whose days are numbered. So, and we've I, seen we I, I, I would have fired him already. Yeah I, yeah, I would ten, have. I... No back-to-back wins, like no, no no back-to-back wins, and they're playing the scrubbiest of scrub schedules this year against some incredibly bad teams. I mean, they got annihilated at home by the Packers. How bad does that look now yeah. that they were unprepared, not ready? It was like when the Jets absolutely does up to start Patricia's career here. That, that it was that level embarrassing, and you know they're stockpiling all these players, splurging all this cap. They're going to have a new head coach. It's like, save your cap. Make a nice situation. Because Brad never had this. Brad never had heaps of cash to use in his first few years. But them ruining their future. I mean, as a Lions fan, I love it. Keep making these big signings. I mean, they gave picks for Ngakwe. Picks for sweat and money. Keep screwing yourself.
0: Not picks for for Ngakwe. Ngakwe was Was free agent. No, free agent signing. Basically, camp finished. And um, then he signed on yeah. about a week, but still, the season died. You, know, you got but these guys. That's probably it. why he's been shit. Yeah. Giving yeah. away a second
2: for Chase Claypool. You're giving you give me a second. This is where you build the core of your team. And
1: yeah, there's yeah. going to be
2: a massive disquiet here when that money runs out.
1: Exactly. Well, to make it even more damning for Eva and Poles, I heard this on the, if you've heard it on, I think it's Detroit Lines, uh, it was on notice of Detroit Lines breakdown with Eric and Joe. So uh, if you've heard the stat, feel free to say it. But if you haven't, how many divisional games have the Bears won with Iber as head coach?
2: Does it feels like one and nine against the NFC North? Is it is it is it one and nine? So So I think is is when did they something like... We swept them last year. They beat us year what? Fields has beaten us
1: once. So it's how just how it with Flus, it's just with Flus, So it's the oh, All right. so none. Yep. He's 0 for 8 in division right now. 0 for 8. Wow. In this it's division where you've kind of got... It sounds okay, like us. Yeah, exactly. Sure like two the, years I ago. Think, <laughs> I think Patricia at least averaged like one division. Patricia at the year. three. Yeah, Patricia <laughs> yeah. at three, I think. Exactly. Wow. When you're not even winning in the division, when you've got... Okay, this year you've got the Packers who are in a rebuild with Jordan Love. Vikings who are in a bit of a flux right now with their defence ageing out and all that. Us... Kind of last starting off last year, very slow to be owning the division with it's all bad. this and explosion. All this, it's just it's idiotic, as I say. a completely agree, complete, just get rid of polls, get rid of fluce, bring a whole new regime and start again and do it properly this time.
2: Yeah, they're, they're rushing possible. for quick results, and they not don't have to cause do cause it. The,
0: the base is like not too bad either, it's not like a complete yeah.
2: teardown. Well, they it, got it, the can... money. They got. Because, I mean, what money did Brad Holmes have in his first two? He had nothing, like he had, literally nothing. Yeah. What did the Bears have? They've like like a hundred million both years, and you're like, Jesus, just keep hold of that money. Like uh, you don't
1: need to use it all the time. Stop they your draft. I think they had to this year because they've got this. And we can rule out like, you need ninety five percent of cap yeah.
0: over three years. You have to spend. They had to spend ah. it. I mean,
2: um, you you yeah. lock your. Bread, you, you you lock your bread and butter players down with that, and you know, you get your core together with it. I,
0: I guess that is what I would say though about this team is while I think that they have a quite good base to build on, I wouldn't be paying anyone on this team. I don't no. think they have any blue chippers apart from
1: DJ Moore. No, yeah,
2: not no, really. I, I, I wouldn't be
1: paying Jalen Johnson.
0: Isn't Moore a deal soon? Because he's, he's still losing like, off his Carolina now. deal. Uh, I mean, he's now. in the final year of his contract as a first round. Yeah. is and he? Is he a first him. rounder?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. so I'm looking they out took him there. rounder, weren't he? I think so. so I'm looking out their free agents, but they're gonna they
0: have need to it. pay him. Yeah, DJ, DJ Moore is signed through 2025. Oh, is he? Yeah.
2: Uh, he might want a new deal though. He a new
1: deal. Yeah. Anyway, signed. He, well, yeah, he signed a new deal. I think when he got traded to the Bears, but, uh, as part of that, uh, as part of that trade, because it's yeah, it's a three-year deal he signed with the Bears. But you can't kind of feel like which is only one year the... in. Oh,
2: okay.
1: I think they signed when... it because it was the trade happened before the start of the new league year. It counts as being signed in twenty twenty-two when it up in twenty twenty-three league year. Ninth
0: highest-paid wide receiver in football.
2: Yeah, and if he has a career year, he might want more money going forward. Especially if he's losing all the time. But I, I don't know. I don't know if you agree, but I feel like the Packers are what the Bears could be very soon. Like the Packers have a bad quarterback. They have a lot of players on top dollar: Kenny Clark, Jair Jair Alexander. You know, guys like this who. it it, it now fucks with their timeline because they're paying a lot of money for big players, but they're not ready to compete now. So they're going to have to hit the reset button again and put themselves back even further. And with the Bears making all these big money investments in there, but the quarterback situation is not right. If they whiff on the next guy, or if they stick with Fields and he doesn't work, they're going to be where the Packers are right now, which is like, you're going to have to press the dynamite. You're going to have to set off the dynamite and blow it up. Because that's what the Packers need to do. They're
0: not going anywhere on the job. I've, j- I've just had a look at the Packers cap situation and it is fucking Fierce. beautiful. Is it? Twent- but for all tw- us, but it's horrendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got $22.8 million of cap space, but they only have 44 players on the roster. They must cut David Bakhtiari, regardless of injury status, because he's on the books for $40.6 million next season. They also have Kenny Clark. On 27 and a half. And Jai Alexander on 24.3. There's not a lot of moving... but They'll get 21.5 million back for cutting David Bakhtiari. But that leaves them $44 million. They'll have to fill that with 10 oh. players, including their rookie class. And then they have no one. They'll ha- they're not paying a quarterback. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a joke. Anyway, getting back to the Bears... I just want to point out one of those players that is highly rated that does want a new deal that was on the trade block before the trade deadline passed, did not get moved, wants a new deal and didn't get one before Montez swept did, and is pretty pissed off. And that's Jalen Johnson. Two interceptions this year, both in the same game, including a pick six, has several passes defended, has a PFF grade of 82. And people think he's a, one of the premier cornerbacks in this league. But I saw in the game where he got two interceptions, a player that was getting picked on that was a DPI machine and actually is one of the things I want to come on to later. But even some of their good players, apparently, I don't
1: think are that good. Uh, He is a lesser version of Trayvon Diggs. Can get the flashy turnovers, but will also just give up massive receptions. And so the, to the common eye, because he gets those interceptions, people think he's a good... Like I I won't say he's the best corner in the league and he's obviously not the worst because he's a, star, he's a top 64 corner in the league for, for sure. But yeah, I'm not paying him like he's a top... I'm not giving him, for example, like a Cam Sutton contract at all. No, at it's... least Cam at least Cam is kind of consistent and yeah, it doesn't get the flash... It doesn't get the turnovers... As we saw, unfortunately, against the Chargers, Wayne he let that interception go through his hands, but at least he can kind of lock down the receiver, get a couple of PBUs, and doesn't really give up that many big plays. That's what I value more than a couple of turnovers. But think what it means for
2: like the Team Harmony. He's born and bred Chicago. Like They drafted him four years ago, and he said he was after a new deal, and they're bringing in high-priced free agents and not paying their own. That would be like us when you know, Amon Rosal next year saying, oh, actually, you know what? We're just going to bring in someone high price because we'll have a bit of money and we're not going to pay you. And it's like, that's a bad way to run a team. It's a bad way to build a team. It sends out a message to all your other draft picks that, yeah, actually, you can play well, but we, we there might not be a payoff here. And I think that is a really big issue for them because, yeah, he's not like a top quarterback, but you still, you draft and develop, it's how you make a great team. You draft and develop, and they have just basically said "f you" to him. and <laughs> We're not bothered. You're playing really well, but we don't care. Which go get all these high price guys instead?
0: Just don't think he's playing well. I and I want to go after him. I want to be targeting him personally. I maybe. Tyreek looked better.
2: Tyreek looks better a yeah. lot, and he's better. got
0: half the PFF grade.
2: And I agree with I, you. I'd, yeah, that. I think corners get picked on by PFF a bit, don't they? But he when you, he passes Tyreek passes the eye test, like he's hundred
0: percent. Full production weighs heavily on PFF grade, yeah. and he's had two interceptions and a pick six, whereas Tyreek hasn't. But Tyreek just looks better when you watch I, him. I mean, In he's education. already he's he's already outshone Kyler Gordon really,
2: and Kyler Gordon was a first round pick. Like yeah. he's already showing much more than Kyler Gordon has while he's been there. That's how good he's been.
1: Mm. I just want let's... to say vind- vindic vindication, because I was really high on him in the draft process. I, I
2: feel happy. I yeah, think you, you that. he's a Miami I... hurricane, so he exactly. has to be even him better. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> right, let's look at specific sides of the ball then and where we think the advantage lies. Bears run offense versus the Lions run defense. The Bears have been good running the ball. And Fields is in there and, you know, they got the rookie Roshon Johnson in there as well as Don Foreman, who's burned us in the past. And they've got Herbert coming back and Travis Homer's no slouch either. But, I mean, we still haven't conceded 100 yards on the ground yet this season in a game, have we? So who has the advantage in this one? It, it
2: depends how they deploy Fields, is my answer to this, because he had 200 200- yards. 200-yard rushing games against us last year. I mean, if you're going to tell me they're going to keep him as a pocket passer and they're going to try and run the ball down our throats, then I'd say we'll absolutely smash the living daylights out of them. Whilst our D-line doesn't, you know, not getting praised for its pass rush, one thing it's always been great at, and even against the Chargers, people were having a go at our defence, but it's like, well, they shot Austin Eckler up. They've got a good offensive, especially on the left. It doesn't have to be a great offensive line all the way. They shut some good offensive linemen down. You will absolutely wreck this Bears run run offence because our D-line is just that much better when it comes to that facet of it. You know, the linebackers that we have in, the guys have, we've been aggressive, we've been against it. And, you know, Foreman's good. You know, these guys are good, but they're not, they're not like Gibbs. They're not guys who will make a lot themselves with due respect to what their running backs have done. They've done well, but it's because they've had big assholes burrowed for them. I don't see these guys. I don't see Donta Foreman just juking three guys and making all this room and making these big players. not going to do that. So we're going to absolutely wreck them. It's just about containing fields and keeping the run between the tackles. If it's between the tackles, we'll eat them alive.
0: Just want to switch your correction. We conceded more than hundred rushing hours against the Ravens. Excuse me for that. Ash, what do you what, make? What, what? what game? I, I don't remember. I don't remember that game. What, what, what game? <laughs> He's
1: men. men in blacked himself. That day. I
0: know. I know. I'll oh, play along. Just, We've got amnesia. I, we forget <laughs> that happens.
1: They bury the tape. That but unfortunately, that uh, I'm going to bring it up again. That's the kind of game plan I think that could beat us on the ground. Where they do a lot of like read options and stuff like that, where we have to play the quarterback, because and in, because we're playing the quarterback, obviously the running back will probably get five six yards. That's the only way to be able to find it. That's the only way I can see the Bears really having success on the ground, because we will our primary focus will be keeping fields in the pocket, as we said, because he's not a, that great of a pocket passer. And it limits his best ability. So, if that's what they do, if they just come out and just start running RPOs and speed options and such, they probably will be able to get a decent chunk on the ground. But at the same time, they keep doing that, they'll get down because we showed that if we showed anything last week, it's that we can put a lot of points down if we want to. So, if they keep doing that, it might get to the second, they might get to the, the half with good 90, 100 rushing yards but they also might be three scores down and they might have to abandon the run to go to the pass because they need to catch back up. See, so uh, they might get a half a good rushing performance, but that's about it. See, I'd take
2: that. I mean, look what he did at Ford Field last year. What was it? 130 yards on the ground from him. They got seven points. We absolutely cakewalked them. Why? Because they couldn't run the ball properly. They were given in design runs and stuff like that, but you can't run the clock down. You can't keep good control of possession. You can't keep your defence off the field. You know. I will take him... If I have to suffer another fancy run that gets put all over the internet and that, and we beat them by forty points, sign me up. I will quite happily do that. I don't want Glenn to do what he did against Lamar and show him too much respect. Like you've got to be you. Like, and we weren't us in that game. Like, we are a team who defend the run really well because we go after the running backs, we keep it tight, and that is who we need to be. And if Justin's gonna break off a few runs. Fine, I don't care.
0: The biggest difference in this game in previous compared to previous years is we actually have a good slot defender who can assist in the run game in Brian Branch.
1: I was gonna bring mm. up in a minute. I was gonna bring up the fourth ranks uh, according to the exchange stats. You've stole my thing again. I was only
0: talking about his run defense. I'm just saying, oh, yeah, if you want to if you want to just have a four-man front and have your two end defenders playing contain, but then they run read option, you're causing that edge defender to be in a dilemma. But if you've got the slot defender on that side providing support, then you've got two people on them if they can yeah. see that it's a zone read. Of course, that might be the player that they're actually reading in the first place, so it creates a bit of dilemma for Branch. But... That's where Anzalone comes in. If you're reading Branch, Anzalone has to be the guy. And if you're reading Anzalone, Branch has to be the guy. And either one of them have to do the cleaning up outside of the edge defender. And if we can do that, we should contain their run pretty simply.
1: Or Campbell. I was looking, obviously doing my thing. I didn't realise this until I was looking. He's one of like six linebackers in the league who are not missed a tackle this season. I didn't even realise that until I was looking. He's got a 0% missed tackle rate. I didn't even realise that.
0: Fair enough. There
1: we, do we go. Count, right. do, we
2: count, do we count screens as runs as well? Because, I mean, like that, they do work in a lot of that as well. You've got to defend but against that against these guys. Yeah, it's we're like, very it's, good against
0: that as well. I mean, Jerry's yeah. one of the best defenders against the screen in the NFL. Yeah. I of
2: just course. think we match up perfectly against them.
1: Yeah. Of course we do. We we used the fear Riddick, uh running scheme for a good couple of years. Okay,
0: so moving on <laughs> to the Bears passing offence, which is what we're talking about now against the Lions passing defence. Obviously, we gave up a fair amount in the air against the Chargers and are feeling a bit butthurt about it to be honest conceding what do we concede 323 in the air but only 77 against the Rays 357 in the air against the Ravens you know it's it's not been a, a past defense that has done great in two out of the last three games obviously Fields has been out for four games and it didn't exactly have a great resume before this when it came to passing offense got a couple of weapons how do you think we match up against this I see. what do the Ravens and the Chargers have that the Bears don't in fact
2: no, I'll let Ash have this because this is this thing oh, on, you, of course you're going to let on. me
1: have it after Jeremy rinsed me on the POD mail- mailbag for asking the question about this no, go,
2: go on Ash you take it I'm too polite
1: because as Jeremy quite rightly pointed out in the mailbag when I asked the question but all I wanted was a nice schematic discussion with Eric about what we can do that Herbert Lamar can both scramble but they can also pass the ball well Fields might have all the athletic ability in the world. He might be Usain Bolt running every here, there, and everywhere like a blue-ass fly. But he, he, I've probably got a better... I've got a prop, probably a better quarterback process in mind than he does, and I'm me. I just sit there on Madden, throw the deep ball to Jamie every play and night and score touchdowns. We'll be able to just keep him in the pocket, force him in the pocket, force him to pass. Okay, yeah, but we might give up 100 yards to DJ Moore because... They'll see what Keenan they did, uh, the Chargers did with Keenan Allen last week, do a bit of that against us. But Branch is gonna lock down Mooney. Whoever's gonna be lining up against Jerry, be it St. Brown or Tyler Scott or whoever is gonna get locked down, it's just gonna be on Cam certain to stick to uh, to DJ Moore and not give up any big plays. Can I have faith in that?
2: Actually, you went in a different direction to what I was let's say up there, but what, what the Chargers and the Ravens have that the Bears don't is a very capable offensive coordinator who I can <laughs> exploit what i mean they the ravens and the chargers very quickly found our kryptonite they found the matchups they found what they had to do to beat us and i mean we helped the Ra- we helped the ravens with an assist because we schemed wrong but They've got very accomplished minds who are able to take advantage of you and will find the weak spots very quickly. Luke Getzey cannot do that. Luke Getzey is incapable of doing that because Luke Getzey wants to run his system because his system is so damn great. And no matter how much to the contrary we will say otherwise, he will force it down your throat. He won't look at the mismatch opportunities on the field. He won't try and get creative with what he's doing. He will be him. And that's the big difference here between those two. You know, they've got a quarterback who can hurt you, but they don't have the minds to do it. Like that, that that's the big thing for me. He's so predictable that we should be able to take advantage of this. And we did at Ford Field last year. We learned the lessons of Soldier Field because everyone was saying, Oh my god, he's gonna kill us again. And like I said, a couple of big couple of big runs on the ground, big whoop, who cares? Nobody. We won by 40 points nearly. It's yeah they don't have the offensive mind, I think to really take advantage of anything against us.
0: Just realized that I hadn't thanked Jeff Hurley for super chatting 10 bucks. So thank you, Jeff. You're the absolute best man. Um, right. Let's move on to the other side of the ball. Lions running offense versus the bears running defense. And I mean, I would say that this is perhaps to be uh, the side of our offense where there's a bit more of an even battle. The bears have not given up a huge amount on the ground and I mean, for me to start here, I would say I think that we have a big matchup advantage here, mainly because I don't think their defensive line can handle our offensive line. If we want to do it in the run, I believe we will be able to do it in the run. But I don't think we will, because I think we'll decide to go in a different direction in this particular game. I think they'll see weaknesses elsewhere and perhaps just pretty much like everyone else prefer to do it in the passing game so I wouldn't get, actually expect to see lots of running yards but we'll see what what do you guys think on this
2: I think I mean for me you look at the, what the good teams have done against them and and right yeah the run the defense has been good but I watched the Chargers Bears game because it was it was Thursday night football if I remember rightly and They also, it was one of the primetime games. The Chargers realised very quickly they didn't have to run the football. Like, it wasn't that the Bears stopped them running the ball. It's that the Chargers just didn't bother running the ball. And a lot of teams have done that against them. We mentioned it earlier, like in some of these big wins, it's all gone through the air. And then when you notice the teams they have beaten... It's one, yes, they can't run the football, but two, they don't have the quarterbacks. They, they've they just not had the quarterback play out of it. You think back to, you know, the Panthers, Bryce Young is going through it at the minute. That offense is, is not very good at this moment in time. Washington, that was when Howell was still a bit greed and it wasn't quite clicking. It has clicked with them now. Um, you've got a quarterback who can sling the ball. It's great, but I think the best thing about us, we even if they want to stop us running the ball, I think you just smash through. And then that causes a problem for them because what they do is they stack the box. They trust the corners and the safeties, like they trust them on an island to do the work and they'll stack the box. So the teams can't run it on them. We can. And I would trust our offense to run it on just about anybody at this moment in time. And it goes back to... You know how technically elite they are at this moment in time. They're just executing plays at a different level. They are just completely, absolutely dominating teams on the line of scrimmage, and I don't see anything from that Bears line that makes me think that we're going to struggle against that. And then then that'll be a problem for the Bears because then they do have to try and stop the run or they do have to throw more of that. And then Goff is just going to slice them to bits. I mean, I, I think we set up really well against them here. And we've got two different types of rushes. Like, Monty will just power it through the middle and just go straight through them. Gibbs, Gibbs can do that. But he can also get outside the tackles. It's so varied. It's so multifaceted, our attack. And the Bears won't have seen much like it this year. And I don't think they'll be able to deal with it this year.
1: I could almost see, and I hate bringing this up because I know it's a bit of a sore game for Ant because it cost him a lot in terms of reputa, uh, reputation, but I could see us almost having a Michigan-Penn State kind of game plan where the first half we just tear them apart for the air, uh, and during halftime they adjust to protect their secondary, lighten up the box, and we just run, 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 throw a pass, but it gets uh, put down for DPI, so it doesn't count as a pass. Run, 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 run. Just do, just use that game. Uh, plan if you if you want 30,
2: 30, thirty
0: successive runs, I believe it was.
2: I mean, thirty. You,
0: if you want to ruin his reputation more, that run, 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 run game. Can we throw in triple option as well? Oh, run, run. oh. hey,
2: I'd love to see the triple option in the NFL. If we have, triple option the Bears, that'd be like the ultimate tea bag to them. Oh, no, even we Hendon and
0: Hooker have Monty and Gibbs in the backfield and run triple option. No, no, even <laughs> He's
1: better Go go back to go back to the sixties. Run the run the T formation when you have three running backs. You just call simple Ooh, plays. We've got Rodrigo totally, at
2: fullback. We've got a brand new super oh, back exactly. now.
1: Exactly. Totally was not inspired by me finally finishing Paper Lion, which is all about like the sixties lions and a journalist being part of their training camp one season. Great I read, f- by the way, if you haven't done it. But oh my god, just read listen to how they played, did the play calls back then. Hmm. How. That, How is it that simple?
2: Yeah, but that's the core concept about this whole matchup. It's our trenches are better and stronger and better coached. That means a lot. Like, that's Huge. all you need. That, that is all you need. I mean, we did it last year, in fairness. I think I feel like we were good on the line of scrimmage against, apart from the D line at Soldier Field. Outside of that, offense was good. And then both units were good at Ford Field. So again I just trust our coaching so much more to have them ready for this and and I can see a situation where maybe we do run it more times than throw it and that's great for us kill the clock, keep just in on the sidelines, keep them there put points down on them, put them behind take them out the game plan and if it doesn't work we can throw it on them doesn't even matter we've got we've got so many we've got a plan a B c d e F G that's what we have at the minute with Ben Johnson they got a plan a. And then plan B is wing it, literally. Just throw the go and hope that they get some.
0: We haven't talked about the Lions passing offense versus the Bears passing defense strictly, although obviously we've touched on it a heck of a lot. But just very briefly before we talk about the keys to victory and the score prediction and then the rest of Sunday's games what do you make about the Lions passing offence against his passing defence? I mean, you've alluded to the fact that you guys think that maybe we're going to run the ball a bit more and so maybe the passing stats won't be there. And they've got some names in that DB room and in the linebacker room, you know, with Brisker and Jackson and Johnson and Stevenson and Gordon and TJ Edwards and all these guys. So when it comes to passing the ball on those with our guys and Goff back there, who do you, you think is better? Why is that question? I mean,
2: the thing is now, J Mo's settled. Like, you don't come up against J Mo very often. He clears out the middle of the field. And, you know, we saw big instances of that against the Chargers, where even if it's not getting thrown to him, you know, they're having to put double coverage on there. And what do we have to exploit that? We've just got so many options down the middle of the field. So it's. The, the Bears have a lot of decisions to make against us. Do you stack up against the run? Do you trust a young DB? Even like a Tyreek Stevenson, do you trust him on J-Mo? Can he run that goddamn fast?
0: No, he can't. Do you risk that? Because your pass rush ain't going to get to golf. So you've got to risk pretty that. shifty, is he? Gordon went in the first round as a shifty guy, didn't he? He did. But, again, you're coming up against a guy
2: who is he's just so legitimately freakish as an athlete it's that's the whole point of getting him so what it gives to your offense and and they're starting to throw at him now and when you do that then you've got to take care of that but there's just so many ways we can hurt the bears so the passing offense i think it is ours if we choose to use it because of the types of receivers we have i think we just have two we're two you know We are too multidimensional for what they're able to put up there. We can hit you downfield. We can hit you on the middle of the field. Hell, I would trust us to start throwing screens and bulldoze them that way because we've got very athletic guys in the line who can get out there and can throw screens like we did for Amon Ross. We've got misdirection. We've got speed. We've got everything. You know, this is, you know, this is number one wide
0: receiver in the NFL in Josh Reynolds when targeted, do you mean? Yeah. That's what I mean. You know, we've not had Josh.
2: We're not even using Leaf right now. Like this is the depth of everything we have.
0: Coming in this year, uh, this game as well.
2: This this year, I hope so. That'd be a long time not to. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. But but this is what I mean. It's we have so much at our disposal. We've only just seen the surface of it scratched. So of course we have the advantage here. Because if something doesn't work,
1: we can go to somewhere else. Exactly. And I know forty times don't mean everything in terms of speed, but if uh, Tyreek Stevens, uh, Tyreek Stevens, who has four point four five second forty, can't keep up with JMO, there's no way Kyler Gordon with four point five two can. So, oh right, no, I no, thought he was shifting. Kyler, yeah, yeah, well. Tyreek Stevenson's a speed little okay It's just because he played a lot of zone coverage. He couldn't. He didn't have that man, uh, that many man, so uh, man coverage instincts. But mm. God, God, Gordon was a product of a good Washington secondary as well. So maybe it's a bit overdrafted, but yeah, our oh, pass. It's just as Zan said, it's just gonna be a mismatch. Yeah, you pick that. You put the big. You put the big guy and Josh Reynolds. Amaran's gonna be open. You try and cover JMO deep. Everyone's gonna be open. I'm not touching the screen game because I, know, I started seeing them. In our plan document. We have a question about the screen game later, so I'm not gonna to touch that. But Laporta, we've not even talked about Laporta. Like exactly, Laporta. Yeah, it's like, like you've why are we come not come come talking here? about Brock Wright? You've got Oh here. yeah, oh,
2: James Mitchell. That- See that's funny now because the second we line up in the jumbo package, they're thinking where are the fuck's brought right. <laughs> like,
1: exactly, just, and that means we can sneak know. and we can yeah. sneak J- James Mitchell out, and he can score a touchdown. But that's the thing; it's
2: like you know, we can put the jumbo out there, and then they're like, "Oh God, what are they going to do with it?" Because it, we can run it through them, but if they then have to sit a few yards back because they're worried about a tight end peeling off, that means we can run the ball on them. It's our Trading offense. a no win situation. Yeah. yeah. And this is it. You're just going to keep putting them in positions. And Goff is clever enough. He's more than clever enough. Like, you know, the Monty run the other week was completely made up on the fly because he's playing at the top of his game right now. He will call the right play based on what he sees. The defensive coordinator is going to have a nightmare trying to match up against it. And we did it without half these guys last year. Like, offensive line was injured last year. We didn't have Laporta. You know, we didn't have J-Mo. And we still wrecked them. And Ben's only getting better at his play calling.
1: So what you're saying is expects a lot of triple-a-lot RPOs this week. You know what? I've given up trying to figure out
2: what he's going to do. And that, for me, that's great. As long as it's not just <laughs> run Adrian Peterson up the yard for two, two in the middle for two <laughs> yards. I don't care. I just like a kid in a candy shop with what Ben does now. But they're okay, executing so- as well, which just makes it even harder when you're executing your plays to the highest level.
0: And this is all kind of feeding into the keys to victory. So for the Lions, when it comes to trying to win the game, schematically, what sort of things are you wanting to see? Changes the Lions make to... And I'm not talking big things. And very well said last time out that we got away from who we were in the losses that we've had and we need to get back to who we are. But I think there are potentially specific things that we can do in this game which don't detract from what we are, but perhaps put a little bit more pressure on them on offense and defense to have limited routes to win this game. So what changes, if any, would you like to see to win this game?
1: Match zone. I'm not calling for full man because that will put us at disadvantage against fields because if you play man against him, he will just do his scrambling thing and get some yards. But if you play match zone, at least everyone's got their eyes on him at least, but you still have that ability to track receivers. If they go across the formation, you can still follow them. Because that was the big problem last week was they just kept putting Keenan Allen on motion every single bloody play and getting him lined up against Kirby Joseph or Jack Campbell. It's just a mismatch. If we could just do something to minimize that while still keeping our eyes on fields, we can pretty much shut down their offense. That their, their offense and on defense, it's uh, beating their defense. It's just as we said, force them to choose to defend one thing and just hit them with the other. Make it make it a no win game for them where. They try and stack the box. We pass, we throw over their heads. They try and protect their secondary. We just run it up the, up the gut for five, six yards. It's pretty, I think it's actually one of the simplest game plans of the year for us in terms of both sides of the ball.
2: Yeah, we're better. Dominate. Like Dan says, go out there. You're bigger, you're faster, you're stronger. You've got better quality on there. And, and that's what you've got to do this week. Just don't let them drag you into a street fight. That is what this Bears team will do. They will try and run the ball a lot of the time, try and extend drives, try and keep our offense off the field. And then when you're on defense, they'll try and get at you early. They'll be aggressive. They'll try and get you into They'll try and throw you off what you do. So, you know, you've got to be you. This is against Chargers and offense, be you. We, We were, we ran the football on the Chargers for nearly 200 yards on the first half. That's who we are. We are the team that dominates on the line and sets the tone and gets in front. That that is who we are. And this is what we need to do against the Bears. Just keep things fresh. Don't fall into some sort of stagnant routine where you're doing the same stuff. Just keep throwing different looks at them because you will have success against them. And then just turn the screw when they're down because we are a much better team than what they are. and We are playing as a team, which they are not. So just don't let them drag you down to their level. And Aaron Glenn, for the love of God, just be you. Be stout against the run. And then everything else will fall into place because Justin throws pigs, He makes mistakes. Best way to get him to do that is to have him in unfavorable situations. And so the best way to do that is stop the run, not lighten the box and worry about him and give them a chance. Because that is how they will get into this game. So, just do not do what you did against the Ravens for the love of God, and you'll be fine.
1: For
0: myself, I would like to see a much higher proportion of cover zero. I want the extra defender in the box. I don't believe Fields has it in him to complete multiple big passes down the field. They have DJ Moore. I don't care. Just go cover zero, put that person in the box, bottle up Fields, force him to throw because I think we'll win the game if we do that. On offense, pass the ball a lot. Pa- keep passing it, keep putting them under stress, progress the ball, leave them breathless, because I just don't think they'll be able to hang with our team. Alon could go for 150 in this game. Like, I think it could be an absolute tear for him, because I don't think there's anyone in their team that can match up with him. But I believe in all the guys that um, Ant was talking about in terms of... Um, You know, Reynolds not being utilised as much as it could be and Raymond and DPJ's coming in and JMO could have a breakout game and Gibbs is coming to light in the passing game and Monty's got breakaway stuff as well. Like, Monty in the passing game has been even a bit of a disappointment. Like, it's not really been there and he definitely can do it. So, like, you've got all these weapons in the passing game. It's going to put them under such stress and their D-line isn't going to put Goff under any pressure. So why not let Goff sit back there and just pick him apart? Because it... In scramble drill, we're just so much better than they are anyway. So even if it isn't designed, I anticipate us having enough time to make all of that work. I want
2: Monty to run for 150. All those Bears fans who, after four years of great service to them, said he was mid-running back, who's just like not in the They're like, well, okay, yeah, let's see how you think about him when he's running behind our line. Like, I that is the one thing I want more than anything this weekend, is Monty to get to a book 50-plus and just really rub it in their faces because there's no way anyone on their team is as good as what monty is no matter how much they try and tell themselves otherwise
0: all right let's talk score prediction and then we're going to talk about some the rest of sunday's slate so what do you guys think ash comes to you
1: first i predicted first four points last week and it was a bit a bit low I'm staying there this week, but I'm predicting the Bears only score 14, so we have a 20-point victory. And 52-13.
2: I have, I have said a lot of teams this year, I don't fear them, but I respect them. I don't fear the Bears, I don't respect the Bears. I just don't think they're a good team, and I think we're just in every way, shape, or form better. We're on our patch, the quarterback's coming back off injury, take the run away, and they're just sitting ducks who we're going to tee off on. And I think they will want to put out a message to them this week. So I just think our offense is going to kill them so many different ways, put up points, and I think they're going to struggle to keep up, and then they're going to start turning it over, trying to get back in the game. I think we're going to absolutely annihilate them.
0: Well you predicted a 39 point victory, so I bloody well hope so. Jesus Christ. Biggest one I've ever done. By some distance. Yeah, I, I believe you. Oh my god. <laughs> That's genuinely shocked me. I'm I'm stunned. Okay.
2: I mean, what was last year? 477? Was it? It was 40 points last year. Ish. Okay. The reason we can't do it, we're better than we were then as well.
0: So yeah, I am going to predict the same scoreline I predicted last week, which is thirty-eight to twenty. And when we hit the field goal, I was like, "We're on thirty-eight now," <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. Yeah, I I just think that the Lions have a very frustrating habit, which is absolutely fine because it slows the clock down of giving up garbage time points. And I can absolutely see this game being 38-6 to with five minutes remaining and the Bears tear off like two big drives with five minutes to go to score points. And it comes back to that. But yeah, I, I can see massive, massive lead until late where they kind of peg us back a bit. All right, rest of Sunday's slate starting off with... Pittsburgh-Cleveland, which is going to be interesting given Deshaun Watson's out. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. And with the Bengals maybe dropping out of playoff contention, now Joe Burrow has done for the year, that game takes a new importance because Pittsburgh, if they win, will be the second seed in the AFC and don't they have
2: some kind of horrendous points differential or some stat like they've been behind in so much of their games this no, year? No, they and... they've
0: been outgained in yards in every game in every of the season. Game. Oh, it that's... was in every game. I'm not sure it was in the Green Bay game, but yeah.
2: I mean, I mean that's embarrassing if they were outdone by Green Bay. But I I thought that was a stat that went up to this. With let me have a look. Three twenty four M- for
0: Pittsburgh. Three hundred
2: and ninety
1: nine for Green Bay.
0: Yeah, they the got a lot yeah, of yards.
1: The Steelers currently their net points is minus twenty six. They're they're like, oh, uh, three games over five hundred. So literally, the gap between uh, them and five hundred is three games. Yet yeah, they're wow. minus twenty six in points differential. It's the they are the Vikings of last year
0: this year. But but the wow. difference in Pittsburgh and Vikings is that Pittsburgh. Make all of it happen through defense rather than offense. There are bend don't break defense who are frisky and get takeaways, so they can see lots of yards and not many points. And the thing is, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I think that they'll allow teams to get into field goal range and not give up touchdowns. And then what do you do against that? Like, well, oh. I mean, you should be able to see, not let Pickett score too much, but you know, it, never they mind. They had two hundred
2: and five he... yards on the ground against Green Bay.
1: How do you up that? That. See, a... <laughs> Yeah, Very and honest. the steel, the Steelers' defense right now, according to like scoring, is the third worst. Is the it's the third in the they're the second worst. Only the Bengals let little more points. Like they're mm. at two eighty two, the Ravens are giving up one seventy seven, and then the Browns have only given up one seventy. So they're still the third. They're the they're like the second worst defense in that division. Yeah, so it's just uh, a massive mess.
0: Moving on to the Chargers at Green Bay. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game because. I mean, the Packers are not good, but the Chargers definitely have their vulnerabilities, as we showed.
1: But I they mean, can't exploit them.
0: I
2: mean, if they lose to Green Bay, I mean, yeah, he's got to be on the hot seat, surely. Like,
0: oh, Staley will be gone. Staley.
2: Yeah, if they lose to Green Bay, given how they're playing this year, like, you've got to be very close at this point to just canning him, and like all our worst, our worst nightmares may be coming to
0: fruition. Well, the thing is, 10 wins may not be enough in the AFC, and they're 4 or 5. They've got to start winning games, or they're going to run out of time.
1: Justin mm. Herbert, you are a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Huh. I mean, last the, yeah.
2: a- the AFC is going to be crazy. If the Bills fall out, the Chargers fall out, the Bengals Same. fall out, it's like you're going to see a lot of names in there. You're like, what the hell are they I- doing? I-, I tell you sixth
0: what, and... I'm looking forward to seeing the Jags be like the six seed facing the three seed. In the wild card round, because that's going to be Who's just like the awful. Jets or something
2: like that. No, <laughs> well, I, I
0: think I think it might well be Jags at Houston, as you just alluded to. I think that could be the the wild card matchup. Anyway, I digress. Raiders at Miami blowout. Raiders being a bit frisky Miami Miami like too the, much.
2: that feels like a game the Dolphins could screw up though. Like yeah. But imagine that. The Dolphins can't be good teams, can they? So yeah, they should win this. Uh,
0: Giants at Washington. If Washington can't win that. I if it.
2: Terry McLaurin cannot get a few good points against the Giants, he's getting canned from my team. i just go stick him on waivers in fantasy. I'm, I'm done with you, Scary this, Terry. I'm done with you.
1: Is this our role of, of the lines freely? Because if you do, please do that. <laughs> I need the receiver right now.
2: It's like, I will can his ass if he can't get points against the Giants. But it's like, Sam so throwing 300 yards each week. Oh yeah, nothing nothing to nothing to Terry. But like I, 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 I'm, call I'm call ready to Brian Robinson, to, please. Yeah. I am ready to did, you see that thing that is it Brian Robinson, the Washington one? He's like running back four in fantasy. Yeah, one of the best just running backs
0: the, in the NFL. It's ridiculous. So was that
2: joke going around that people who accidentally drafted him as opposed to Bijan are like the luckiest people alive because they've got what they thought Bijan was gonna be. It's just the wrong B. Robinson that that, that they picked, but I mean, oh, it's going to be... That, yeah, the key like... was the big
0: W as opposed to the blooming red bird, but never mind. Um
2: Commanders and Giants could be like Sicko's Game of the Week. I
0: mean. Definitely is Sicko's Game of the Week, but Trap Game of the Week for me is Cowboys at Panthers. I just have a sneaking suspicion this is the sort of game the Cowboys are just going to take for granted like they did with the Cardinals. Ah, oh, no, because
1: that... that... Cowboys pass rush and Bryce Young just hold on to the Ball too long. Like that, like we you know we said earlier about the Bears pass rush, they got three of their 13 sacks this season against the Panthers, which means before that Panthers game, they were on 10 sacks in nine games. That's like shoddy production. I mean,
2: I feel like Bill's Jets is the trap game this week. I think Jets can do it yeah. again. Like yeah. the Bills we- look bad.
1: We- yeah. Brees oh, Hall is. is a 150-yard game in common.
2: I would put the over/under for turnovers in that game at about eight.
1: I don't and even I think, I think it's a trap game.
0: On it. I don't even think it's a trap game. I think the Jets should win.
2: Mm, possibly,
0: but, I, but Buffalo just aren't scoring enough points. It's too iffy on offense, and the defense is the worst in the NFL, and it is historically bad now. It's getting mm. into Lions start of last season territory. It's Never not this
1: good. Start this. So this, the start of this year territory. So this could potentially
2: be a very good week for us. I mean, the Eagles have to play the Chiefs. Like I'm guessing we're all rooting for the Chiefs there for seeding purposes. Yes. And plus it makes our win against them look even better if they beat them. But and yeah. then what the 49ers are, are they at the books I think, they are winning? I mean that's home. not oh, they're at home, but it's still not a gimme. Against that book, that book's team is scrappy and hardy, so you know, there could be something there. You know, the Cowboys may win, but I mean, See, it could be
1: Seattle's at LA as well, and Stafford's just come back.
2: Yeah, aren't yeah, Seattle that's really good. bad in LA usually? Yes, or am they I are. getting it the wrong way? Yeah, they, they they're usually not good against them,
0: they have an awful record in LA and in San Francisco, so. I mean, we could be scrapping with the Cowboys for the one seed when this weekend's done. No. Cowboys are two games back from Philly. Yeah,
1: it's Philly. Oh, are they? Yeah, it's they Philly, us. And
0: Philly have the tiebreaker, although they've still got to play each other again. But they play each other again next oh, week. Oh, they'll have the strength of schedule yeah. tiebreaker on us, won't they? But we'll be the two seed. We'll be, be nice. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Philly have still got to run the gauntlet. They've got four hard, get five hard games in a row. So we'll see. Uh, other games we haven't mentioned. Arizona at Houston. Come on,
2: come on, Shroud. <laughs> I, You um, know what? I love watching the tech I, I say this every week now at this point, but I do love watching the Texans. They are a good team getting built the right way. Like, young players who they're building. You've got Will Anderson on your defence. Like, he's the blue chip guy you're going to build around. CJ Stroud's going to be quarterback you're going to build around. And you're giving them some nice weapons. And you're, you're discovering a lot of talent from nowhere. I mean, like, I don't know who Noah Brown is has had 250 yard uh, games as a receiver. Like, kudos. He's, <laughs> what are you doing with the guys there?
1: I hope that, well, he, so the offensive coordinator, hey, Bobby Slonick, he is right now in my head, the guy that I, if I was the Bears' ownership, he's the guy I'd be targeting as their new head coach. Mm.
2: Well, they, they, they just look so good as a team. I just, I just enjoy what they're, the, they're the team I enjoy to watch most other than us this year, I think there's always a team I'll
1: gravitate towards that was the Bengals for me this year yeah they've
2: just yeah,
1: been so hit Borough's
2: just never been healthy and it's just you feel like we've just not seen that team as good as it can be because he's just never really been that healthy and it's it's a shame really
0: like yeah that, that he had a three game stretch where he was fully healthy and he looked like he was back to his old self again and then that was it for the year done like it's a shame um yeah, I mean, By no- Sorry. Vikings are at Broncos, aren't That's they? That's what I was just about to say. That That is that is definitely penciled in. It's Sunday Night Football, isn't it? But I'm excited about that game because finally, Russell Wilson looks like he's getting back to a bit of form. That Denver defense looks shit hot. And the Vikings, oh yeah, Josh Dobbs is a great story. Everyone's rooting for him in a sort of unbiased, he's not playing for Minnesota to cover my eyes sort of way. But it's a shit team playing against a team that's up and coming now in this season. Denver, I had them making the playoffs comfortably in my playoff predictor. Like, the way they're going right now, I think they could cakewalk it into the sixth seed in the AFC.
2: See, so Denver are one of those teams. Every time I want them to do something for me, they don't do it. They, they, And I want a cushion over the Vikings. Like, I, I feel uncomfortable with the Vikings being one game behind just because... So this week it's like, oh yeah, I don't mind. I, I will happily let the Broncos win this week and they'll just turn around and give me the finger and be like, you know mm-hmm. actually, we'll screw it up against Josh Dobbs and his renaissance story continues. And I mean, at what point, if they do theoretically keep winning, do they have to start thinking about him as franchise guy of the future? Because a time will come if he carries on playing this well that they will have to consider it. Like, he's done it at two teams now, like well, brand new. Not-
0: there's nothing wrong with giving Dobbs a one-year 10, 15 million dollar contract Tracked just to say... Give
1: him, give him the Geno contract.
0: No, that's way too much.
1: I mean, that was... No, like I, I scaled know the first one You know how Geno's yeah. was scaled where he had, uh, yes, yeah, so I think it was about like, it was like 35, 40 million but quite a lot of it was weighed in the first year. Yeah. So it was like but, a prove it kind of thing and if he doesn't prove it then you can cut him no problem and get a new guy in. It was just in Seattle. Gino came and proved it, so you gave him a big extension. I'd give him the Jordan Love contract. Two years, 28 or whatever that was.
0: Like, do that. That's much better. Like, it, with Gino, with that deal, yeah, you're front-loading it and uh, it's cuttable and whatever, but it was still like you're putting 30, uh, 35 $40, 45000000 million on that first year. And it's like,
1: Dobbs ain't worth that. In a way, I, was to, I said scale down. It was like that sort of like that kind of contract. It was front 10, 10 to 15, 10 to 15, tops. but it's all front, front loaded.
0: But, but yeah, I have... mean, it depends whether he crashes down to earth, doesn't it? And put, he's I'm facing predicting. a Denver team who've conceded 17, 9, and 22 against the Packers, Chiefs, and Bills in a row, like
1: Denver to win. Comfortably. The only the, yeah, the only thing that can maybe swing it to being close because I know Justin Jefferson's been. This is questionable on this week's injury report for the Vikings. If he comes back, that that would make it a lot closer in my mind because just he's just that good, isn't he? I know he he's last net, he week, hasn't, didn't but... he? I mm, no, no, don't think we, he did. If he came we, back to practice last week, but... we we
2: we know the Broncos have a, a Mr. Hyde to their Doctor. Jekyll, though, like they can be just as bad as they are good yeah. and they're at home and they usually save their worst performances for mile high weirdly enough sure. so
1: see i just i just really want to watch justin jefferson versus pat satane well in the morning when i'm on the way to work because yeah. so i'm not staying up for that and but it, i just yeah. want to watch that
2: and it's not Kirkko chains in prime yeah. time so like You're right. that curse has gone
1: All right, we have a
0: couple of questions. And if there's any more questions in the chat, please get them in now. And we're going to take them off the air. Uh, But we're going to sign off on the audio show now. So our next show is coming up straight after this one. It's a live showing of the College Football Podcast, which was recorded earlier on in the week, had 30 minutes live, which people may have seen. But then there were some difficulties. It's been re-uploaded. So once we finish chatting on the stream, that'll be live for everyone to watch on there. Next show after that is going to be the live reaction show for the Bears game on Sunday. Ash, you on? Yep. So me and Ash on the call for that one. And then the review show coming up on Monday before a very busy week next week for Thanksgiving, which we need to work out and see if we've actually got anyone on to do shows. Thanksgiving week. I've got everything planned. We've spent like a £100 or so to do Thanksgiving dinner just for me and Sarah. (laughs) So it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. Got the turkey crown in. We're going to do the sweet potato with the marshmallows baked on top and all the sorts of stuff. It's going to be... I'm going to be buzzing for the show. I'm going to want to go to sleep and not watch the game. But I think that's what Thanksgiving is meant to be all about, to be honest. So we're going to have... A review show on Monday for the Bears. We're going to have a preview show before Thursday. The Thursday game and a review show all next week, as well as the College Football Podcast. So I don't know how we're going to fit that all in, but we're going to do our best. College Football obviously is happening this weekend. So that is week 12. The review has to happen for that. And, you know, we're getting into the nitty gritty of it now. There's six, five and five teams all playing each other. So lots of bowl eligibility is going to happen this Saturday. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. You can follow us on our socials on Royal Lions UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And the group on Facebook for worldwide fans is Detroit, Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. You can follow us on our website, rotluk.com, where Ash's preview article is coming out tomorrow. So check that out then. Otherwise, just for me to thank my co host to Anne and Ash. Thank you for being here with me doing this. I'm Matthew Turner, and we'll see you next time. But for now, let's go Lions One
1: Pride. I'm fried. I'm fried.